podcast. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right, people. Welcome to Creative Theory Podcast, the show that brings you conversations with visual artists about how they got to where they got, what their day-to-day is like, what their struggles are, their goals, thoughts on the art world, and a lot a lot more. Uh, today, we got a very special artist in here, illustrator, I would say. I think we'll have to figure out which one to call him, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll find out soon. Our guest uh, designs uh, for print while maintaining an active illustration practice, and uh, which includes branding, promotional pieces, editorial work, publication design. But I would say more importantly, he's a creator and owner of uh, the Bummer Club, which uh, I definitely want to get into. Uh, also known as Combo. I don't know why, but uh, Michael Mateko, welcome. Uh, thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so let's get into that first. Why Combo? So is that, is that <laughs> how, do, how do you say there's an H at the end? There's an H at the end. Uh, the first reason why it's called Combo is because at the time it was the only uh, result on Google. Uh, so we made up a word. Um, when I graduated <laughs> from art college in 2009, yeah. I actually worked with um, a good friend of mine, Hans Thiessen, who actually lives here now. He's uh, Here in Vancouver? Yeah, he's yeah. a creative director at Rethink, uh, so he moved on up in the world, uh, leaving us all behind. Um, <laughs> but uh, we decided very arrogantly, I think, that we were going to start a design agency uh, almost immediately. Right with after no, school? With no experience whatsoever, no client base, no money, no budget. Uh, so we designed a whole brand around it. It was very, <laughs> it was very Germanic and very, you know, you, it used DIN and a whole bunch of uh, interstate typefaces. And uh, I just never let go of it. It sort of just became this creative alter ego for me. Um, he's not part of it anymore just because he's busy. He's got a real life with <laughs> a real wife and real children and a real job. Um, but I just kept it going because it seemed like the right thing to do. And I, I think it's been really uh, helpful for me, actually, just to have something to hide behind. <laughs> just enable, well, I like that you're dreaming big, first of all. Yeah. You've got to go hard. But so Combo is, that's that's a name for, you would say, like the studio, the branding for yourself? No? Yeah. Uh, kind of strangely, not everybody seems to realize that it's just one guy. It's just me. It's like a one-man tag team. You do make a lot of work, and it's varied. Oh, yeah, I try to do as much as I can, but I, I get uh, requests for internships from all over the world because they think I'm like a real company, you know, people in, in Spain or, or Portugal or whatever, <laughs> uh, which I appreciate. I think it's, it's very flattering, but uh, I always have to tell them, like, the only thing you can do is just if you want to live in my basement and just, like, help sweep up now and again, there's, like, not much work for you. I think that's how you know you made it, though. <laughs> I think that's how I <laughs> know that. asking you for internships is good. Yeah, I, I mean... Yeah, that's one criteria for success, for sure. <laughs> uh, but you said so com- it has no meaning. It's just You just found a word that had no results. Combo was supposed to be a combination of two people, Han, an Hans and me. Uh, he put a K in front for some reason. I guess he liked Mortal Kombat. There's, yeah. there's an M in it because of Michael, and there's an H in it because of Hans. That's it. It's not a lot going on Okay, it's on actually there. pretty deep. Very nice. Uh, yeah, yeah, you're <laughs> right. It is. Awesome. And um, one thing I've noticed when I was trying to do a little bit of research on you and actually after that you emailed me some images I feel like you don't post all of your work and you're you're so freaking good and you have so much good work but for example you know if I go on your Instagram I feel like I don't think I've seen like the the stuff that you emailed me I don't think I've seen those on your Instagram but I don't know why I think you should be posting that stuff oh there's I try to do uh, as much work as I can I think I've been a little uh, lazy in the last couple months but but some of the things I was sending you were uh very personal projects. Um, mm. Some of those images, those like very thin line drawings, for instance, are 
not on my site just because I haven't gotten around to it yet. Um, I'm actually getting a book done in Singapore right now. Oh, what? Uh, right, so there, there's a, a risograph uh, studio that I met here um, about a year and a half ago called Knuckles and Notch. Um, they publish a whole bunch of crazy art stuff in Singapore, which is really hard to find in that country. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm Singaporean, so yep. for me, there's like a, a camaraderie there, I suppose. Um, and we were looking for a project to do for a long time. And I was very depressed last year, and I did about 100 drawings, and I compiled them into a book. And I think it's finally getting made this month, which I'm very excited about. Is it all? Is it just by you, or is it going to be yeah. other artists? As no, well? it's just me. It's like a bizarre comic narrative that doesn't really make a lot of sense. But it's uh, it was all these cathartic drawings I was making. It's just like the same line once you're talking. Yeah, about. Oh, cool, yeah, it's just like a big hand crushing this guy over and over and over again. And I don't really understand it, but I'm happy to be making it. You're just expressing yourself onto it. Yeah, you letting know, letting the depression speak is that what you're I saying? feel like everybody feels that way sometimes. You know, there's like a big hand just like pushing their <laughs> face in from time to time. Yeah, I, I can relate. Is this book going to appear anywhere else outside of Singapore? Uh, I think they're making a small limited run because because of the way the book is designed okay. um, and because of the way risograph works, because the paper kind of shifts and, and judders when you're printing, uh, they have to hand cut every single page. You have to explain risograph. Is it like the f uh, way of printing? Yes, risograph is a way of printing that I think was originally intended for uh, church pamphlets, I suppose. It's like a <laughs> large photocopier. Uh, that prints in drums of color. It's like mm -hmm. a very, very, very cheap way of reproducing, uh, you know, similar manner of screen printing, I suppose. Okay, yeah, that's what I was gonna say. It sounds like similar to screen printing. Yeah, yeah there's there's a couple places in town that do it as well. Uh, there's Moniker Press, uh, run by a girl named Erica here in Vancouver, and I've worked with her a couple times. She's really great. Um, but this is a great opportunity to, to sort of put something together, um, and it's a process where you don't have a whole lot of control over the outcome. Um, the printing always. Each, each run is always a little bit different. There's always flaws. There's always errors in it, and I think that's part of the charm, you know. Definitely, Th that's why it sounds so cool. Is that it almost it's like feels like it's going to be handmade, even though it's not. Yeah, well, in this case, or it, kind of it, it actually is. is, oh, it is okay. They're being forced to hand cut every single page of every single book, which is way too much work. But I appreciate <laughs> their faith in me. Okay, and in this case, are you so this partnership? Are you paying for the cost of create creating this? Or? No, they uh, they are publishing it. Uh, which means that they're taking on all the costs, which wow. is very, very generous of them. Yeah, uh, and I'm getting, I think, fifty percent, something like that. Once again, is this is this how we know you made it? I don't think that's <laughs> true. I don't know. I want to be on the front page of Google. That's when you know you made it. Front page of Google. Okay. Yeah. Like where you mean the letter? Yeah, the yeah. Google Doodle, man. That's okay. that's the dream, isn't Meaning it? Meaning it's about you or you drew it. Uh, that's a good question. One up, one up both. I don't I know. Gonna, I think it's gonna aim be aim high. Yeah. There you go. Just like the same mentality that you started out out of school. Just got to keep yeah. going. Yeah. Yeah. Extreme <laughs> arrogance. Right. Yeah. Oh, you seem pretty humble. I, well, I'm trying. <laughs> nice. So the book, uh, the book sounds really cool. Let me see. How did we get there? Oh yeah. Posting all the artwork. But so it wasn't a conscious choice not to post some of the work. It's just time. Not, yeah. I am just a poor social media manager, I think is uh, the real yeah. issue there. That's okay. As long as you're producing, that seems to be more important. I think that is quite a bit more important. Yeah. Okay. And then when you're saying that, uh, you're busy making work how many hours a day do you work uh it really does depend i know that's not a very satisfying answer um <laughs> i never count so i but yeah i guess it's easier with a full-time job but for personal work it's not like sitting there clicking a timer and go yeah exactly yeah. um i think for me my issue is that i work in bursts so there'll be like a week that goes by where i just 
I don't feel it. I don't. For instance, I'm not talking about commercial work. I'm talking mm-hmm. yeah. purely about my personal practice here. But if a week goes by and I'm just like sitting in bed playing video games for eight hours, that's okay. As long as you make up for it the next week. As long as you're working till five a.m. every single day, just jamming on an idea, trying to get something done. Do you know what I mean? It sounds like I know, but it sounds like a lot of pressure too. Is it? Meaning that if you're skipping a week, but you're putting the pressure on yourself the next week to work extra uh, hard. <laughs> I think I think that's okay. I think that you kind of need that pressure sometimes. I guess so. Yeah. You know, it's like it's like when you uh, have an idea in your head and you need the pressure to actually make it, so you go tell someone about it. And now they're gonna you're gonna be embarrassed if you don't actually do it. So now you have to do it. That's true. But once you, and that that sounds like pressure. But maybe maybe you just manage uh, manage with it really well. Uh, well, maybe. I mean, I just think that it's a, a very natural way of working for me. Mm-hmm. Like there are times, even even this week when I was just up till you know three in the morning, and that's fine. I don't think it's a problem. I don't have anybody yelling at me in the morning to get up and go to work. Um, as long as I'm hitting on my deadlines for my professional career, I don't think it really matters that much. Is is this how you would sell freelance work to people? I get to work. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, I think the reason I would sell freelance uh, to people is simply that you don't have to commute anywhere. Yeah. Oh, that's a that's a nice bonus. It's a huge. Well, I mean, I'm also from uh, Alberta, where you had to drive in the snow for hours every yeah, day to, yeah. get, to get to your job, and being able to wake up and just like roll out of bed and watch people try to dig their cars out while you're just like <laughs> having your coffee. Just yeah, just <laughs> enjoying a hot chocolate and just staring at them. I think is is worth its weight in gold. You know, but it's surprising then that you're in Vancouver. You could be in Hawaii right now. That's your. That's true. That's something I thought about. Um, I actually thought about. So I moved here about two years ago, okay. uh, and at the time I was deciding where I should live and what I should do because mm. it kind of doesn't matter anymore. You know, uh, time zones do affect how you handle freelance, especially mm-hmm. for tight uh, turnarounds on advertising or editorial work or anything like that. But I was thinking about living in Singapore, but it's a bit complicated because of my own personal history there. Um, but Vancouver is a really fun vibrant city it doesn't have winter the food here is extremely good people here really chill a lot of my friends moved out here yeah. you know i love that you say it doesn't have winter but this is it's only true because it's coming from a person who experienced real winter in, in alberta <laughs> yeah <I laughs> if mean, you ask people here they they know the winter and it's a lot of rain uh whatever that's cool <laughs> i don't have to go outside yeah. if i don't want to totally and uh, actually well just to clarify because i uh, sometimes i don't do these intros really well we are in vancouver Canada, BC, on Hastings Street, and mm-hmm. Save on uh, Meets, right in front booth, Save on Radio. Mm. Just if you're, in case you're that person listening outside here, mm-hmm. <laughs> I should probably do a better intro. Uh, you mentioned Alberta. I think before we get into more of your uh, freelance work and the life balance part of our conversation, I wanted to maybe get a kind of brief history of you and the art education that you got or how you got into art. Sure. So um, the cliff notes of my life are I was born in Singapore and in my youth I lived in Indonesia and Malaysia on Borneo for a couple of years Um, but primarily I'm actually from Alberta. I spent about 27 years living in Calgary Mm -hmm. which is I think a wonderful city but it doesn't have exactly the most vibrant art scene not because the people aren't working hard or aren't any good because they certainly are Mm -hmm. it's just that the culture there doesn't support it in the ways that I think that for instance Vancouver might Mm -hmm. and uh, in a in a grander sense, there's just no industry su- to support it, you know? Yeah. Um, so originally, uh, as I was mentioning in our conversation before we stepped into the booth, yeah. uh, I was actually an engineering student. Nice. Uh, and I picked that out of a hat, basically, uh, because I was math inclined and I really enjoyed uh, all the work I was doing uh, in high school in that, in that field. I didn't draw anything. 
I didn't know what I was doing. I was, you know, 17 years old, having to decide the rest of my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I went to the University of Calgary for two years uh, in their engineering school. Mm-hmm. And for a variety of life reasons, uh, for instance, you know, my parents got divorced and like a grandparent passed away and I was just really lost in life, as mm-hmm. I think a lot of young people are. You know, I was like 18 and I had no idea what was going on. Uh, I just stopped going to my classes one day. I don't really know why, but uh, I didn't go to my midterms, my finals, and very unsurprisingly, I was kicked out of school. Um, and I spent about a year just doing n- nothing. I was like walking dogs. I was trying to make weird art stuff on my computer at home. Um, but I didn't really have a direction in life. And out of necessity, I had to go back to school mm-hmm. uh, to, you know, get my parents off my back. <laughs> Which is like a very uh, unceremonious way of, of putting this whole career, I suppose, but it's truthful. <laughs> You're being very honest. I just pushed into art. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't really know what I was doing, um, but I did know that I enjoyed making pictures. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean drawing, but I enjoyed making pictures. I was learning how to do a little bit of 3D work here and there. But you didn't find that out right away. It sounds like you, that's when you found out you liked it, right? Yeah, I think that for me, it was an escape from the life I was leading, which was Mm -hmm. not very glamorous at the time. Uh, And eventually I applied to uh, ACAD, which is the Alberta College of Art Design, Mm -hmm. which is in uh, Calgary. And I applied with a portfolio that had no drawings in it because (laughs) I didn't know how to draw and I didn't want to draw. And it was such a foreign idea to me that Mm -hmm. someone could make a living or try to, even beyond making a living, just I didn't know anybody who did it. Mm -hmm. You know, it it seemed as as strange to me as panning for gold. It was just a thing that people didn't actually do. It was, you Mm -hmm. saw it in movies. Um, I applied and eventually they relented and let me in uh, for reasons unknown. Uh, And I was very, very fortunate that I met a whole uh, whole lot of wonderful people there Mm -hmm. who were really passionate and infectious and they, they really, didn't necessarily teach me how to draw, you know, per se, but I think that they're, uh, it was like a very invigorating environment to be in, you know? It must be, it must have been so cool finding your own group when you're saying if there's no, not a lot of culture in Calgary, and then you go to this one place where everyone is basically seeking yeah, it out, right? It's so, it's so strange uh, thinking back on it now because I wasn't exposed to anything that's growing up, you know? Mm-hmm. I, I don't have any family members who are into art. I didn't really have any friends who were into it at the time either. Um, and all of a sudden you're surrounded by all those people who also want to be making pictures and yeah, they're yeah. also excited about it um, in all sorts of different ways, you know, painters, people who are working in sculpture or in like uh, dig- digital art. Um, mm-hmm. And I found it really uh, to be the thing that kind of put me back on track, I suppose, mm-hmm. in, in a way, because my life was, to be fair, really off the rails. It sounds like, uh, yeah, I mean, unfortunately with the parents and the like, family, which is, yeah. Yeah, I mean. pulling apart. Yeah, I mean, th- things happen. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not unheard of, and certainly I know plenty of other people who have had similar kind of experiences. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I found that it was, uh, going, going to that school at that time, irrespective of the kind of instruction I had or the program or anything else, I think that just the environment uh, and being surrounded by su- supportive people was, was yeah. valuable. And and finally seeing the like-minded people, I I feel like in, in that kind of not adversity, but in that kind of environment, you're probably more likely to clu- to cling to one another. I think so when, as well. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I think that's something that uh, is actually a very uh, important point to make about the art community in Alberta. At least my own observations of it, which admittedly is a, a small slice of the whole, mm-hmm. is that I think because you so rarely find people who are involved in the arts who are 
supportive of it that you make friends very easily you know the community oh, yeah, really yeah. clings together and mm -hmm. it's very scrappy and they fight really hard for what they have <laughs> and it's something i really admire i think totally. it's something that is uh is not not easy to find out there in the world you know mm -hmm. would you say is it possible where uh, is it possible for a lack of art scene to make better artists i think that uh it creates an environment where the people who are invested in it are doing so in the face of adversity yeah and in doing so, they have to become more invested in it, so to speak. Mm -hmm. There's no, uh, well, for instance, in Vancouver, um, at least, you know, again, this is only the observation of one person yeah, who's yeah. really not in that field. Uh, but, you know, there's a, a large animation industry here. There's yeah. film, there's games. If you go to a school here, you can get a job. It's like yeah. a very straightforward thing. You just apply, and then all of a sudden you're working, you're drawing, and you're involved in the industry. But in Alberta, like, if you want to make games, and you don't want to leave Alberta, you got to do everything yourself. Wow, yeah. You know, you, yeah. Do, you have to do everything. And I think that requires a certain kind of personality type. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I, I quite admire. But at the same time, it, it also means that a lot of people, they just get pushed up before they can get started. And that's yeah, really yeah. unfortunate. You're saying that people who probably could have been in the art field by just the circumstance and the Yeah, I, I, think, yeah. I think, again, it's a, an issue of, of selection bias when you see people come out of it and yeah. become successful. There are a huge number of people who came out of uh, ACAT who are phenomenal artists, mm -hmm. not just in, in my year, but other people. For instance, we were talking about Ed Kwong in Montreal yeah. or uh, Joy Ng, who I think is in Seattle now. Um, even Jeff McFetridge, who's like a, quite a famous graphic designer. He, he went to ACAD for a number of years. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's it's like a very strange school. That's Do all you I have an say. explanation for that? Because th so just pre previously before we started, yeah, we also talked about, and from my perspective, the amount of, amazing like just amazing you know not just like oh good artists like amazing artists that i've met for, that came from acad it's uh, very impressive and then like you're p part of that group so but like you're saying i'm only seeing the people i guess that have succeeded that uh, that's what you mentioned right yeah i think the other people who uh who for whatever reason you know largely not for lack of trying or mm -hmm. for ability or talent you know maybe it's personal reasons maybe this is just with a the lifestyle they're interested in yeah. um you know, you don't you don't get to talk to them. You don't get to see them just because we're not in in that city. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, which is unfortunate. I mean, I think that there are a lot of people that I knew who had plenty of potential, who could have done, I think, really amazing things. But the environment was supportive in the way that it might have had to have been for them to succeed. Mm -hmm. It's just it's such a other element to think about when you're saying like the av availability for work itself and just because like if you were here you know, kind of who knew if you've been a graphic designer illustrator or you know maybe a video game artist or like you're saying like maybe you could have been gone into animation but yeah the, the kind of circumstance circumstance sometimes you don't even think about it you know what i mean like it's very easy to forget that all these other elements play into what your life could be be like even beyond the fact that you really want to be you know like, yeah working as a rigger in games or something but yeah, yeah. I, I think uh something that I talk about because I've, I've given a, a number of talks uh, mm -hmm. at the school over the yeah. years um, even as recently as a couple of months ago and one of the points I try to make to the students that I was definitely not aware of when I was younger is that when you're young you're sort of uh, given this idea that you can pick a, a star in the sky and that can be you you know you, you can just be whatever you want to be which I think is an important thing to hold on to as a dream <laughs> where is this going <laughs> and i'm not trying to crush anybody's <laughs> dreams here but the reality is you need to be aware of 
what you need to get there. Definitely. You can certainly do it. I'm not going to tell anybody that they can't become the world's most famous artist or whatever it is you want to do. You want to be an astronaut, that's cool. You can do it. Yeah. But you have to understand that certain things need to be in place. You need to be in the right environment. You need to be supported in certain kinds of ways. And if not, you have to go find that support. You have to be diligent. You have to be hardworking. Yeah. Um, I think the, the thing for me, for instance, is that I'm, I'm a freelancer and I do enjoy the, the, the lifestyle and I do think that it's something that I would have done eventually anyway. But in Calvary, if you want to draw for a living, that's mm -hmm. it. Where are you going to work? There's mm -hmm. no there's nowhere to go. You have to be a freelancer. Yeah. How were how was the first year of trying to find freelance work? It was awful. Yeah. <laughs> just how many emails have you sent out? Uh, I do remember. Well, just to sort of recap the history. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Oh, actually, yeah, please. Yeah. When when I graduated in two thousand nine, it was also the bottom of the housing bubble, mm. uh, which is really unfortunate. Um, oh, yeah. I was very lucky in that I had interned at a place called Critical Mass, mm -hmm. um, which is a very large marketing design agency in Calgary um, the previous summer. And I think just that uh, that summer 2009 when I graduated, they had fired about 100 people. Whoa. It was pretty rough. And it, yeah, I mean, they lost uh, a, a major client or two. And it's not, you know, often it's a political decision. They don't have a lot of control over it. I think I was the only hire they made that summer <laughs> just because I was like tight with one of the creative directors there and nice. he, he wanted to hire me and I was very, very grateful. Um, and after working there for not even a year, I just realized that working for a larger agency wasn't for me. And I ended up working at a uh, smaller place called Juice Creative for about mm -hmm. two years, which was you know, fine. Um, it was a very supportive environment. All the people there were super nice. It was very, very small. There's also out of Calgary? Also out of Calgary. Okay. There's, only, there's only two two creators there, uh, myself and uh, its principal, Rick Thomas. Um, and we are doing a lot of local work, and it was fine. I was, I was happy to be there. Um, but eventually, I realized that I didn't really want to be working for other people in that way anymore. Mm -hmm. uh, so I, without any plan whatsoever, decided to give my two weeks notice. <laughs> uh, I didn't know what I was doing. I did not have a client base lined up. I think most people who are freelancers if they're smart about it, they try to line up about $30,000 worth of work first. <laughs> That's and how much you have to? Okay. I think that Good seems like a nice, healthy number, you <laughs> yeah, know? Yeah. Uh, it seems like if you have like a $30,000 retainer, you can probably fill the gaps yourself, right? Mm -hmm. But I didn't do that. Um, <laughs> I quit, and the next day I realized I didn't have a job, and I didn't have any <laughs> prospects, and I was rapidly running out of money. Um, so what I did is I, I built a database of about 300 to 400 uh, jobs that I was interested in. Wow which is something I should have done to school, embarrassingly enough. Uh, so for instance, it was like every single magazine I could find, every single online publication that I thought was interesting, mm -hmm. um, any charitable organizations I thought could use illustration work. I used to go to uh, a place called uh, Globe Magazines, or rather I think it was called Globe News in, in Calgary. And I would just spend hours there like rifling through every single magazine, anything that had any illustration in it, yeah. you know, anything at all, I would just like, annoy the clerk there and bring in a notepad and write down the names of the art director you'd find the masthead and mm. so on I would like yeah. track them down on Twitter and like bug them and uh, that first year was very lean it yeah. was like pretty rough I must say how much uh, work have you done that was for free uh, in that year or yeah. in my life in that year no no year uh, I think that I did you know honestly probably not that much not that much okay because in usually I only work for free if the project is particularly interesting yep or because it's like a, a charitable thing or it's just a community I want to be part of or support. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's why I'm asking because usually in the beginning that's you end up putting a lot of those hours in. Yeah, yeah. That, that's true. And that's, I mean, I think that's unfortunate, but the reality is um, that is often the case for myself or many other people I know. Mm -hmm. 
Um, they're working for free because they want, you know, this mythical exposure, which uh, may or may not kill you, but <laughs> they're doing they're doing their best to get their name out there and sort of have some practice. <laughs> the mythical exposure will kill you. Yeah, you know, that's what they always say. You've died of exposure. That's what happens in Oregon Trail, right? People say that. <laughs> <laughs> it can happen. Um, okay. I, I was doing a lot of personal projects yeah. at the time as well. And actually, most of the work that I had in that first year was because I was doing markets at the time. I mm -hmm. was like, there's there's an event in Calgary called Market Collective. Um, and it's very similar to Eastside Flea here, right? Okay, yeah. Um, so you just go there, you set up, you meet people, you sell some work. Were you already selling prints at that point then? Is that what yeah, you I had a lot of, uh, a fairly extensive catalog of, of work. None of it was particularly great, but, you know, looking back at it now. But I was selling it, and it was uh, a lot of educational stuff because it's just what I was interested mm -hmm. in. And I was very fortunate in that people were quite receptive to it. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, you're, if you're there, and in Alberta, there's really not that many people who are doing exactly, you know, the kind of graphic style that I was working at the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, someone buys it, they put in their office. Oh, hey, we need to, like, get some illustration work done. Yeah, we're, yeah. A, we're an ad agency. But I know this person because I met him at a market and so on, right? That's so. awesome. That's really cool. Uh, how do you end up even doing that kind of graphic style so early on? Uh, one of the reasons I went to art school, besides raw human desperation, <laughs> uh, was sort of an admiration for a particular uh, design studio in the UK. Uh, I believe they're in Sheffield. Maybe they're in Bristol. I'm not quite sure anymore. Mm -hmm. They're called uh, the Designers Republic. And they are particularly known because they did all the branding for Wipeout, which is a video game series in the 90s. Okay. Um, at least, you know, in, in my head. But they'd been around for, for a number of years doing a lot of really crazy experimental work. And that graphic style was just something that I thought was really fascinating. I don't mm -hmm. really, I just like left an impression on my brain. It was something that I very poorly tried to emulate early on, even before I was, I was doing any real drawing. Really? Okay. Um, uh, again, as I mentioned uh, in our uh, conversation bef before this, uh, I had never drawn a human being before in my life. <laughs> and all of a sudden you're, you're in art school and they put this like Conte in your hand and they're just like, a girl takes her clothes off and they're like, okay, draw her now. <laughs> It's actually, like, it's, that's actually how it happens. It's very similar, yes. And I was just like, what am I doing with my life? Why is, what is everyone else? I was like sweating nervously. I'm seeing other people's like making marks on the paper. I'm just trying to like look busy so nobody bothers me. But what were you, what were you thinking? Were you thinking, how am I going to use this to get a job kind of thing? Or I, I was thinking, where is the class where I get to draw circles on a computer? Mm, okay, so you already kind of knew what you wanted to do though, even at that point. Yeah, I think so. I, I think that it was, I mean... In, in retrospect, I think uh, taking those classes was necessary. It, mm. was, it was not optional. Oh, yeah. It, it was something that They're I think... They're there was, for a reason. Though. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally. Th those foundational yeah. classes are... Uh, I think for me, they were, they were frustrating because it wasn't a clear through line to what I wanted to do. Mm -hmm. um, but I think they were necessary in, uh, in a way that I didn't, I didn't grasp early on. And where did the work ethic come from? Because it sounds like, you know, you, you've never drawn. You go to school, you come out and... I know it's not like, oh, boom, and you're super amazing, but it seems like you picked up the skills that were necessary pretty quickly. And, I mean, managed to freelance and still are. So there's, like, where did that uh, work ethic come from? Uh, I think this is something I can credit to, to the school I was going to. Yeah. Um, the program at the time is a little different than it is now, but it required an absurd amount of work. You know, people, I was there from 9 a.m. till 1 a.m. every single wow. day with essentially no exceptions for the first couple of years. Um, it was really unfair, I think. Like, we were overworked to a degree that is 
not healthy. Okay. You know, people were dropping like flies. People were getting sick. If you talk to any of the people who were, who were there in my year, Kyle Scott or Douglas Nung or these mm-hmm. people, they'll corroborate my story. It was really unhealthy. Um, <laughs> but I do think that the thing that uh, came out of that is a real sense of camaraderie. That's what I was going to say. It must have been you and the guys who we know. Yeah. And, and again, yeah. this is Kyle how I, how I know yeah. them because we were there in class for 12 hours a day. Just like our brains are pouring out of our ears because we, you know, can't think straight anymore. But it's impossible <laughs> not to make friends in that situation. I oh, think. yeah. For sure, yeah. Especially with like one common goal, and yeah. everyone's suffering. Right, and and to be uh, to the point, the common goal is survival. We're all trying to yeah. make it to the end of the year. Um, and I I know it sounds kind of trite, but I do think that that sort of ingrained in me a particular kind of work ethic. And was that a four-year program? Yeah, it was a, it was a four-year program uh, for a bachelor of design, I believe. Did you get art history in those in your school? Yeah, yeah. it. It is a very studio-based school. Mm-hmm. Um, and by that, I mean that almost all your classes are eight-hour studios. Okay. Again, I think that's changed now. I can't speak to the program as it is in 2018. Um, but at the time, it was eight-hour studios. And in whenever you had lunch, you probably had our history class, which most people slept through, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I think to their detriment. Uh, you know, there are a handful of humanities classes, but really it's a studio-based school. It's a... Uh, it's like taking a trade. It's like becoming an electrician, except you have a paintbrush in your hand. I kind of feel like that's how it should be done, though. What do you think? I, I think it's so important to be making all the time because that's what your life is going to be like, right? I, I would agree. I think that uh, the thing is, for the majority of people that I knew, especially at that age, you know, most people are quite young. They're just out of high school. They don't mm-hmm. know what they're doing. They have an idea of what it's like to be an artist, uh, and it's like a mythical idea, you know? The artist, for instance, is uh, struck by inspiration from heaven, <laughs> and <right. laughs> and all of a sudden, you know, the muse has occupied your body, and you just can't control, and you're just a conduit for the universe, and you're creating this amazing thing, and then you like lie down, you're sweating, you're like, wow, I did that amazing <laughs> thing, isn't that cool? Hey guys, you know. Uh, whereas obviously, as you know, in reality, it's just a lot of hard work. It's, totally. it's there's very little magic involved. Um, but and the thing for me again is that at the time I don't think I really appreciated the art history classes I was taking. That's I I never got them, but I definitely appreciate art history now more now than I would have yeah back when I was in school. Yeah, I, th- I mean I think the reason why it's important isn't just because it's it's interesting or because you should have respect for for these, these people who, who blaze a trail for you, but because it contextualizes the work that you Gives make. Gives you context, so huge, yeah. For anything that you want to pursue, you gotta know, I, can't, I guess, where it came from, right? Yeah, I mean, the thing too is, if you're making something today and you're like, wow, this is so cool, look at this thing I made, it's like, well, you know, someone in the 60s did that, and they did it better, <laughs> so you don't need to do it anymore. Exactly. You can go do something else now. <laughs> yeah, is, it, is that how, do you think so about, uh, is that how you think about art when you're about to tackle a project? Uh, I think that, it sort of depends on the project. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so there is a firm separation between work and art, and I think that's mandatory. I think when someone starts paying you for something and you start thinking about what they want rather than what you want, uh, you, you begin answering questions for them. So a thing that I often uh, think about when it comes to, for instance, a lot of the work I do is involved in the advertising world. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's very commercial. I do a lot of work for, for banks, for ATB, Coast Capital. I do a lot of work for Facebook, for instance. Nice. Um, when you are building something commercial, especially if you if you consider advertising not just the illustration element of it or the picture making, but the whole mm-hmm. uh, in, a, in a holistic sense, you're trying to answer questions for people, right? Mm-hmm. This is what you want. This is what you need. Don't think about it anymore. Buy our product. Do this thing. 
you know, and it's not always, you know, negative. Sometimes you're advertising for, for charitable organizations. So the issue is like, we want the world to be a better place and this is how we can do it. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, it, it, it's like a, a very clear direction of uh, conversation. Right. Yeah. Whereas I think that one of the things that fascinates me about uh, fine art or conceptual art, or e even just like uh, a personal illustration practice, whatever it happens to be, is it's really not about answering questions. It's more about asking them, you know, you, you create something you put in the world and people can have a conversation about it. Does that make sense so to you? So the piece itself a asks questions. Yeah, and I, I think it's not necessarily uh, so overt as well, right? Like, if someone puts, like, you know, a mural on a wall, mm -hmm. right, people are going to interact with it in all sorts of different ways, and there's no clear defined boundary for yeah. how it should be or how people have to use it or, like, you know, in, in branding, right, there's this idea of, like, brand activation, all these other awful buzzwords <laughs> that are really about, like, how do we measure uh, whether or not we inject an idea into somebody's brain? Yeah. Whereas if you're making a fine art piece for yourself or whatever it happens to be, like maybe that's your goal and that's to totally valid and totally fine. But usually it's more like, I made this thing, what do you think of it? It's, a, it's such a free-for-all. The reason I asked that question is, especially when you're trying to pursue technical skills and you're making work, if, you're thi if you think of the context uh, of your art as you're making it that you don't want to repeat something that's been done, you know, it's very hard to even paint a portrait without thinking like right. oh okay. and it's 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 impossible right <laughs> yeah. i mean any any time you have an idea someone's probably done it totally yeah so you you're know? just hoping to do it better basically at that point yeah again it's not about where you take it from but it's where you take it to right mm -hmm. yeah i want to talk about the client work in a bit it sounds like uh, after looking at your website it sounds like you've uh, built up quite a clientele by this point which is really impressive but uh, just to finish up with the school stuff um so actually as you're talking about it like <laughs> an idea of what an artist is uh, when you when you did go into into your school, what did you think your life would be like as an artist? Like, uh, how did you imagine it? Oh man, that is a complicated question. <laughs> uh, Let's hear it. I had a, I think it was very foggy for me. Uh, my immediate concerns were I need to get a degree so that I can move out and get on with my life. <laughs> um, but I think I had this idea that you know you kind of all just sit around, and like I said, like lightning strikes you. Uh, like that scene in Back to the Future, and you're just like, oh my God, your whole life flashes before your eyes, and you have this amazing idea, and it comes out of nowhere. And I don't know why that's such a a, a powerful sort of image, right? Like that idea of, of like divine inspiration it's is so romanticized. Yeah, yeah it's a very uh, absurd romantic idea of how everything gets made, and I think it's reinforced by culture, you know, in, in a way of making it a. It's like mystifying when somebody makes mm -hmm. an art piece, right? It's like how could someone have done that? How could someone have painted a hand that beautiful? It's like, well, you know, he just looked at a lot of yeah. hands. And it's good when you, well, for better or for wor worse, like if you're selling artwork, it's probably a good uh, yeah, thing a, to have. Yeah, there's a mystique to it as <laughs> yeah. well, right? It's like, oh, this could only have been made by this one person this one time, and there's a story to that. This and person is a wizard. Yeah, he just, like, he, he had a divine incantation, and he waved <laughs> his hands, and that thing appeared. But, I mean, I think anyone who's ever had to do anything difficult in their lives knows that it's not, not that way. Like, a building doesn't magically appear. Someone had to like lay every brick, yeah, yeah. and all of a sudden you have a cathedral. You just have to work at it. Yeah. Why art? I guess yeah. Art is just maybe not as many people do. That's why it's so mystified. Like I mean, because plenty of people make buildings, and like you said, they're really impressive as well. Yeah, yeah. certainly. <laughs> I, I think that it's. Uh, I think people buy into it for a number of reasons. I don't think that I have a particular insight into it, but I I do think that it's. Uh, it's something that is again very romantic right mm -hmm. like it's this idea that 
art is beyond us. You know, you look at this picture that someone makes and it speaks to you and it's like a human being could not have done this. This is, this is like, <laughs> th this came from somewhere else. That's why it speaks to me so much. It's why it leaves this impression on me or makes you feel this way. But it's like, I mean, <laughs> we don't always know where pictures come from yeah. when we're making them. That's true because it's, it's complicated, but like you still did it. Man, I, I hope someone says that about my work one day. That's a pretty nice compliment. <laughs> yeah, well, you never know. Uh, You're not human. You just have to tell them a story, you know? Okay, okay. You'll have to help me out with that. Mm. We'll, we'll, we'll come yeah. up with some stories from my art. We can work on it, yeah. Okay, gotcha. We'll make an artist statement together. It's going to be very cool. Actually, um, also, let's see. So you graduated and you survived the super grueling hours, which... Actually, yeah, before we continue, for those hours, would you have preferred it any other way? Or did you like how it turned out, the no, school? I'm, I'm happy with yeah. it. I think, I think that there are meaningful uh, gripes to be made about the school um, in terms of the fact that like, we didn't get to use computers for two years. That's, that's weird. Yeah, that, that, um, that's odd. In terms of uh, the way the program is structured and the, what we were taught and so on. I mean, those, I think those, those gripes are perfectly fair. Um, but at the end of the day, I felt like I got what I needed out of it, which again was not technical training so much as it was community. Mm -hmm. You know, if I want to go, if I want to learn how to make an animation, like yeah, okay, I, I need someone to help me with that. I, I don't have like when you when you're young and you're starting out, you need someone to teach you the basics. Yeah, for sure, that really helps a lot, right? Um, but you don't need that necessarily if you just want to like make a picture. You, uh, you, yeah. What you need is someone to encourage you to do it. Exactly, and then. What percentage would you th would you say the school, but like the school as a facility itself, played in your success versus everything else from kind of effort, community, but like as a facility itself with its teachers, for example. You uh, know what I mean? Right. Yeah. In terms in terms of faculty and facility, I think that uh, I don't think I can meaningfully put it into a per percentage. Okay. Okay. But yeah. I, but I, I can say, for instance, that uh, I really needed that structure. Okay. And not everyone would agree with that. I think there are people who went to that school who who are good going in and good going out, and they probably could have spent four years just like mowing lawns and they would have <laughs> learned probably the same amount. Wow. Um, but I think for me, going into it knowing nothing, I think having some kind of baseline was very, very helpful. I only ask because sometimes it feels like, um, like the per, I mean, some artists that you meet that are, whether like so hardworking or so talented, all they needed was to just put those hours in. And sometimes a, sc like a school is just a, uh, like a vessel to let them be and let them create you know what i mean like it almost feels like sometimes uh, despite your teachers whether they're going to be good or bad the fact that like you're put into that situation some people are able to make themselves better and teach themselves so sometimes it feels like a school is just a like a supportive tool while you probably could have seen that artist get better on their own as long as you know they had the right like books or something like the right direction exposure and you're mentioning role models before too you know like as long as you're exposed to that some people are able to just that will be enough for some people to go ahead with it. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think that one of the things that uh, was quite helpful in school is simply exposure. You're exposed to different ideas, mm -hmm. different ways of thinking, different ways of working. And I think that for me, especially because I didn't have any kind of arts background, I had a very, very narrow view of what I could make, what other mm -hmm. people were making, um, what kind of film was out there, what kind of poetry was out there, what kind of books I could read. But when you, when you meet people who are, uh, from a different background or have a different practice. For instance, I'm not really a painter, but you meet someone who's like, you know, I'll, I'll painter. You're like, wow, this is like a real thing. You're a real, <laughs> you're a real living, breathing person. Yeah. And if you can do it, then surely why can't I do that someday, right? Like you have permission to sort of 
pursue these weird courses of action, right? It's odd that that's what it, it that that is what it takes. And so I I was curious. Uh, it struck me that that's what you mentioned when you're living in Calgary. That because you didn't know that making a living as an artist was even possible because you never saw it around you. I guess you, it just makes you makes you think about the value of exposure to these kind of like possibilities in life. Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. I, I think that that's the thing. I mean, if if I was there's one piece of advice I'd give. Uh, younger students is that you just need to look as much as humanly possible and mm-hmm. recognize that um like it is people make all sorts of crazy art out there <laughs> and they, they and some of them even make a living doing it yeah. right and it's it's not unreasonable to eventually get to that point right mm-hmm. I'm trying to think where that came from for me i i, I don't remember a time when i it's, it's, you kind of know that people who work in animation make a living mm. just by the fact that they can go to work and go home it's like oh i guess that's a job so i'm i'm trying to think how i found out because i don't think it was a one person kind of you know it wasn't one person that i heard about it was like oh yeah that's you know that means it's possible it was just like a those mm-hmm. facilities existed somewhere and i kind of went along that down that path yeah and i i realized that speaking about it uh is a little absurd when you, when you put it this way but for instance you know i grew up watching a ton of animation you know I was like a child of Tex Avery and Chuck <laughs> Jones, and you know, I spent my entire life watching these cartoons. And you know, I guess I just thought they just came out of a black box somewhere. <laughs> like someone uncovered it from like a Mayan temple, and like, oh well, here's the site. Oh, no, like mm-hmm. people, clearly, someone had to make these drawings, and someone made a living doing it. That's like so many things in life, though. You just uh, until you question it or find out, it's it's such a mystery, or we just don't even think about it. Like for example, you know, you could be you could be a sommelier for a restaurant and all you could do go places taste wine mm-hmm. and be like okay we're gonna buy like 100 cases of these that's a job yeah it's and and <laughs> if, you're not, even, if yeah. you're not someone who's involved in the restaurant or has given us some thought to it or whatever it happens to be like yeah i guess you just never you just know. A, as an example you know it's like or for people who are maybe into comedy it's like hey did you know that you could be a person who would be called the uh, pluser or something like that? You, you go into you read a script and you try to plus it up by putting more jokes into it mm-hmm, like yeah. that's also a job and it, like all these yeah how would you know you know how would you know just by yeah, yeah. and again that's just exposure right it's yeah. just like meeting lots of people from different backgrounds and being open to the stories that they have to tell you totally yeah for me for example actually i was when i was studying animation oh no when i was working in animation already and i was kind of playing with the idea of doing designer concept art and it just like seemed fun but it almost felt like unreachable and then I, I met a guy who's a good friend of mine Patrick Clancy and he was studying at Capilano to be like a designer concept artist so I was like wait people go to study that huh it's like a real okay. it's a job <laughs> like someone had to do that <laughs> he's like, and, but, but it was almost like yeah oh he's just like studying and then he's gonna go and work at that job so it is uh, yeah I, I guess it's kind of funny how things only click a certain way when it when they do click otherwise and everything is around you just don't know it right and and yeah. as a 33 year old that sounds so ridiculous but you know as a as a much younger person like my late teens or early 20s it was like something i needed i needed mm-hmm. something to be like oh yeah no i i did a thing for the new york times i made this thing like oh a human a human <laughs> that i can meet and shake and shake right. their hand like i could you know i can do that now i have permission to sort of pursue that in some way and that's uh, what you're saying about um, how kids uh, are told that they can just like reach for a star or whatever and have it and be that person. It's better so because not only you don't know so much, it's uh, it's better to realize it a little later maybe because you're not going to be able to aware of all the steps that you need to take to a certain you know to get to a dream. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it's it, it would be cool if 
younger people are even ourselves included when like someone gave us good advice could follow it when we were younger but you know most likely that just wouldn't happen yeah <laughs> i mean if you gave me this advice when i was young i probably wouldn't listen to it anyway <laughs> exactly like, that's just the folly of youth and you can't get away from we that. always go back to this uh, or yeah when i ask a question about yeah kind of giving yourself advice when you're younger it's like yeah probably wouldn't listen Anyways, but here, here, here it is. <laughs> here it is for any lonely souls out there. Yeah, if you're listening and you're going to get this advice, yeah, just just listen. It's going to be so much better down, <laughs> down the road. Yeah. yeah. But it's, I mean, life is not about solving problems all the time. It's a, it's a process and experience, and you kind of have to go through go. it sometimes, right? There's some very good advice right there. Oh, man. <laughs> so deep. All right, so you graduated. You started doing some freelance, became very busy, and all of a sudden, uh was there a point where taking too much work? I want to talk about work-life balance specifically because uh, as a freelancer, you have to teach yourself that, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I think that there are definitely times when I've taken on too much work. Mm -hmm. um, and you know that because, you know, you're up till, you know, six in the morning and you get like three hours of sleep and you're answering uh, emails because everything's still on fire and you have to fix things and so on. Yeah. But I think that generally speaking, I'm pretty happy with the work-life balance that I've found for myself. Um, the corporate work that I do is very corporate, and I'm very grateful for it. I'm happy to do it, and it's very much uh, problem-solving. You know, we have this campaign. We need this kind of image. Uh, this is, like, what we pitched a client. Can you do this for us? And I can just give them a very straightforward yes-no answer. You know, it's kind of a nice break from having to solve your own problems all the mm -hmm. time. Um, and it's like I know how long it's going to take because I've done it a million times. Uh, I know what the pitfalls are. I know who, who I'm working with. You know, mm -hmm. here, here's how a client will probably react because this is like a long-standing relationship they don't like this etc you know it's it's very um it's very normal in a in design studio to have those kinds of uh, questions answered mm -hmm. um and i think that generally speaking corporate work pays quite well you know it's like not particularly sexy work but it doesn't matter i mean i'm, I'm perfectly happy to do it gotta make uh, a living yeah and i don't think there should be any disdain or shame or you know oftentimes artists have this idea that everything they make has to be like the most uh, fruitful use of their time. Mm -hmm. It has to be like, they have to have their voice in, and if not, then, you know, there's that idea of the artist's ego, which I don't particularly agree with, but, you know, you hear it sometimes, right? Like, mm -hmm. someone being upset because uh, you, you gave something to a company and they changed it, right? Yeah, but yeah, it's like, yeah. it's not yours, you know? You are getting paid for it after all, and then you're just a tool. I mean, actually, yeah, you just yeah, hired and, to do the job. And like, I think yeah. that that's perfectly fine. I yeah. mean, uh, if I was a woodworker and someone came up to me and asked me to make a cabinet and I gave them a cabinet that they didn't ask for because I thought it was better <laughs> like they're gonna make like, this doesn't fit in my house what are you doing you See, know but uh, do you think you have that healthy relationship with it because you do during your free time end up making work for your soul and kind of yourself yeah I think yeah. I, I think 100% yeah. that's, that's truthful mm -hmm. um, I think that the balance is uh, extreme and that I don't try to do everything I want all the time but I try to carve out time for myself you know if I, if I can make a bunch of money on you know x y or z job for this large company or whatever it happens to be that means that i can spend the rest of my month working on projects that are really personal to me right mm -hmm. and the pressure of them having to be successful uh in a, in a monetary sense isn't there anymore yeah you know that's definitely a bonus but would you th would you does the lack of time make your personal art better because a lot of the time does go to um, you know the corporate job uh, I don't know if that's necessarily true, but I do think that what often happens is that something something I really think is important is having uh, a whole bunch of work going that's in different phases. Mm -hmm. So, for instance, if you're going to be making a whole bunch of pictures, 
Um, you shouldn't do all your concepting at once and then do all the development and then get to all the finish at the same time because you just get bored. <laughs> you need to, to context switch between tasks, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if I'm working on a, a very, uh, like a large commercial project, for instance, where I'm like just like finishing up and I have to like fix all the edges and go in and take 10 hours, you know, fixing the Illustrator file or whatever, I can take a break from that now and again and just like sketch my sketchbook and draw goofy stuff and come up with ideas or whatever mm-hmm. because you're not you're not exercising the part of your brain when you're when you're finishing up a, a, the last bits of the painting anyway right yeah so i feel like that balance uh of like keeping it churning keeping it going is really important would you agree with that yeah no that's i'm, I'm just trying to, the reason i like kind of nodding and thinking i'm trying to think of all the artists i know and how they prefer to work because mm-hmm. uh, i have a feeling we're going to run into some artists who like routine this is the only way to do that. I'm per- but I like your advice that the variety to me in art is very important. Even like with just within the looks, but even the stage mm-hmm. stage you're talking about. Yeah, I agree with that. And especially if you're pursuing like a really large body of work, it's so easy to get. I mean, you'll not easy, but you'll get bored within that long process. You know, if it takes you half a year to complete a body of work. Right. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, that's not unheard of, obviously. Yeah. It, but you, you will get bored if you, mm-hmm. if you have to draw, you know, 500 people in the same style. <laughs> for one client you're going to lose your mind if you don't yeah. if you don't exercise other parts of your brain working on other kinds of projects and i think that's just being an artist you, you need to like uh, get excited about, about certain things or always be excited about art with yeah mm-hmm, you're yeah. only painting portraits you're gonna get pretty sick which is i mean yeah. you know if that's your thing then so be it that's that's cool i totally respect that you know it might not be mine but uh, if you do it then great mm-hmm. one thing that I, I i think that uh speaks to that for me as well is that because i have a a background in design sort of agency life mm-hmm. i mean again i was only for you know three or four years something like that in my, early, good. my early career um but when you're given a project you don't have like a house style right mm-hmm. you have to solve the problem using whatever you have and if it has to be photography you go hire a photographer if it has yep. to be illustration a certain kind of illustration you know you have to go learn how to do that or you have to find someone who can do it or whatever it happens to be you're not really looking at your hands and saying well i only make this one kind of work so Mm -hmm. i can't do this anymore and that's something i try to keep in mind when i'm working on projects i try to think about i mean obviously i have limitations in terms of my abilities and what i can do and uh how much money i can spend on personal projects and so on money and time um but i try to keep it pretty fresh i try to do Mm -hmm. like different things just because i have an idea that that suits uh, a particular style that i might not know how to do or, or like for instance i did a bunch of animation recently I don't know how to do that <laughs> but i had to you know do my best to teach myself and talk to my friends and pull on the resources that i do have right what was it for uh i did a bunch of animation stuff for facebook recently how do how do you get facebook as a client i have no idea <laughs> uh they good they, answer they contacted me i think Damn. about a year and a half maybe two years ago uh to do some photo frames which are the it, it was like you know here a happy pet day here draw, oh. draw some animals so <laughs> nice. Uh, and I was put in touch with uh, a number of people there, and they're they're, they're a great client to work mm-hmm. for. Uh, whatever you may think of them as a company, I do know the people I work with are great people. They're really fun to talk to. They've been like super supportive. Um, and I just talk on Messenger a lot with my friends because I'm at home all the time yeah, as a freelancer, yeah. and you have to do you have to be able to talk to people. Uh, so I just asked if I could talk to the person that makes all the stickers, and they put me in touch, and now I'm just doing that. <laughs> Man. That's, uh, you make it sound so simple. You just go get it kind of thing. Well, I mean, awesome. they could have just as easily said no, which would be perfectly mm-hmm. fine, but you have to ask. If you don't ask, you can't be upset when you don't get it. Totally. No, 
I love it. <laughs> that's the that's the approach. Did, did they let you work, or when you're working for them, did you get to work in a similar uh, st style, I guess, to what you would enjoy making during your uh, as your personal work? Yeah, actually, uh, one of the things I like about working for them, uh, for instance, you know, I'm doing like sticker packs, which are just like they're just like fun illustrations. Oh yeah, you know, yeah. I'm not gonna try to change the world making a <laughs> like, making a bunch of like instant messenger stickers. Um, but they've been very supportive and just like, hey, you know, whatever you think is going to be good, just like pitch some ideas to us and we'll go back and forth and we'll have a conversation on the phone about it. And, you know, you send a couple of style samples and they're just like, yeah, yeah, okay, that's cool. <laughs> um, they've been really, really good. And I think because there's this giant sprawling corporation that has, you know, thousands of people working for them, they can afford to do that in mm -hmm. a way that like smaller companies can't. Yeah, yeah. I guess they can all... But this is not even taking a risk, though. It's just like them being able to go in multiple directions, right? Right, yeah. yeah. They you know, they have so much work coming up for them all the time that it's not so precious for them anymore. Yeah. And I think that's really valuable. Mm -hmm. And you touched on style, and uh, that's actually the thing that's... It is quite noticeable when looking through your portfolio is that you're, you have a lot of varied work. And if you've done uh, just like different uh, pieces that are like varied looks, is there a um, specific look you kind of uh, tend to go with when you work uh, on your own stuff? Yeah, I think that generally speaking, um, I'm, I try my best to, to be aware of my strengths and weaknesses. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not a particularly strong draftsman. Um, you know, I'm not a great figurative painter or anything like that. I have no aspirations to be, so I don't feel too much shame saying that. Mm -hmm. But I think the thing that I am particularly interested in is shape design. Yeah. And yeah. I, think, I think it comes across. Oh, definitely, yeah. You know, it, it comes from like a design background. You know, it's just about very simple contrast. Um, so I think that that's the thing that I try to keep in mind primarily when I'm working. I try to draw thumbnails very, very small. And I try to just like have big expressions in them. Mm -hmm. um, like for instance, I'm trying my best now to do a little bit of a 3D modeling. Uh, I have a, I'm contributing, uh, as I was uh, again mentioning previously, I, uh, I contribute to a bunch of pop culture shows yeah, yeah, in yeah. the States, right? So that's uh, Gowing 1988 in LA and uh, also Bottleneck Gallery in Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And Hero Complex, which I think is in LA as well, um, and that I got put into that a number of years ago for a, a Hellboy show, uh, and oh I was Hellboy. I was nice. I was so lucky to you know a guy pulled my name out of a hat basically, and he's like, hey, do you want to you know be part <laughs> of the show? So I made a like a five foot screen print for it, like a really huge ridiculous thing. I think my goal was just to have the biggest piece possible so that in all the photos you'd see it. You just wanted all that attention. Yeah, so there's a photo of Mike McNoll ignoring it, which I'm very happy very about. Very nice, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, because of that, it was it was in uh, 1988, I believe. They just like put me on a mailing list, and I've been lucky enough to contribute to shows for the past couple of years. Wow, see, why, why do you make it seem all so simple? It's just, oh, it just <laughs> I mean, I think the... And, and I'm sure it is. It's just like sometimes <laughs> from the outside, it feels like getting into certain galleries, just it's... Uh, yeah, it is a mystery. And then it's like, oh, you just talked to this guy. It's a mystery to me, yeah. too. I don't know. Right. How. <laughs> uh, but, but to my point, I, I was saying um, that I'm trying to do a bit of 3D modeling. And I'm, mm -hmm. I'm like, I made this uh, a sculpture for the show that's coming up, which I don't think I'm allowed to reveal what the theme of the show is yet. Okay. Um, Are you 3D printing it? Yeah, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, I was looking to getting a cast in bronze, and it's like 500 bucks, so maybe not. But hey, you know, depends just, how much you sell it for, though. Well, I don't think it's gonna sell for that much, but <laughs> I'm uh, I'm just gonna do my best to make something. You nice. know, like why not? Yeah. If it fails, it fails, and I'll do my best. And I, the reason I love these group shows is because 
it's not all riding on my shoulders, you know. <laughs> nope, I, I, not I can, a lot of pressure. Well, there's pressure because I wanna I want to make something good and uh, I want to be part of this community. I want to be invited back, you know. Mm-hmm. I want to impress my peers, but you can experiment and do weird stuff, totally. and yeah, that's sort of the great venue for it, right? And that's a fun part of it is that it is a one-off and you just go crazy. You don't have to, yeah. You know, just by creating one piece, it seems like there's a lot more freedom to experiment and. Yeah, and I mean, I've certainly made work that I, I consider, you know, largely to have failed for shows, but I did my best and I tried something new. And if it didn't work, it didn't work, and that's cool. No, Actually, no biggie. I had this uh, question written down. How did you? How did you end up getting into 3D? Because I saw you build some mechs at a certain point. How oh man, I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh, when I <laughs> uh, before I went to uh, art school, and again, my my school is very it was a really old school. Like everything was cut paper, and you're building stuff of like. You're building 3D animals out of paper and stuff, and they're high tech. Very high, t- yeah. They're they're dumping out like the oil pastels, and you're like, well, we're all gonna make, you know. <laughs> uh, I was actually doing a bunch of 3D work because I'm just a big nerd, and I was an engineering student, and it seemed uh, to be appropriate. There you go. Yeah, and you said you like math, which surprised me. Yeah, well, yeah. maybe not so much anymore, but I was like something I <laughs> was I was really into when I was younger. Um, uh, I was doing a bunch of 3D work just just because I thought it was like a really interesting medium. Um, it's but. a well so <laughs> you know I went to school and they kind of beat it out of me in a sense because they're like we don't do that here uh, okay. you, you know what I mean yeah um, so I'm kind of trying to go back to that a little bit now and again I just find it enjoyable because again it's just shape design you know you're just making stuff you see what happens it's very different than having to solve uh, conceptual problems mm-hmm. right you know it's very much just like you're struggling with the tools you're trying to get this idea out but you're not spending all this time uh, trying to ponder, you know, the meaning of the work that you're making. You know, you make a cool yeah, robot, that's yeah. fine. It's okay. It doesn't have to, like, change the world. You just made, like, a cool robot. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> that's how it is. But would you – But so now that you're making a piece right now, you're back into the 3D software? Yeah, I'm really enjoying it. I'm using something called Fusion 360, yeah, which yeah. is a parametric modeling software. Um, uh, and I know that uh, some film studios use it to build props. Is because it it's so accurate, right? Like the measurements for right. It's it's yeah. all it's all built in physical space, mm-hmm. um, and it's not polygonal. It's a uh, it uses nerves, a, right? it's not quite nerves, but mm-hmm. it's very very similar. Um, I, my understanding is that the math behind it is actually really complicated. But you know, you draw a box, and the box is just defined as a box, and everything is a boolean, for instance. So oh, okay, yeah. But you just taught yourself all that stuff. Ah uh, man, YouTube's great. YouTube is very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good to pick up a lot. That's yeah. so interesting that you're, I mean, outside of the design and drawing illustration, just throwing 3D in there, just why not? Well, I mean, I, I don't have any plans to take over the world of this. I just want to try it out and see what happens. But and I'm, I'm really enjoying it because it's a very different way of thinking. It's very methodical. It's very slow. You can't rush your way oh, through yeah, it. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have other plans that are to take over the world? Uh, I don't know if I can reveal that on a radio. Um, no, <laughs> I mean, for me, I think the thing that I'm sort of settling into now is understanding uh, that... I don't really care about, you know, being like a world famous artist of any kind, because as soon as you do, uh, you have all this pressure on yourself to mm-hmm. succeed. And like, th- you know, being real, like most of us are not going to be yeah. the next Rembrandt or Velasquez or Goya, right? We're going to make things that we like and we care about. Yeah, but you can't be upset about <laughs> that. Joking. That's ridiculous. Right? <laughs> but it's like we uh, we're just doing the best we can to to make the things we want, right? So what uh, what is uh, what does su- success look like to you then? I think success to me is uh, ideally being able to wake up each day uh, excited to work on something, you know, 
whether that's uh, corporate stuff or personal stuff or 3D or 2D or it doesn't even have to honestly it doesn't even have to be for art if you're just excited to wake up uh, next to someone you care about you know that's yeah. cool too right it's a good life well, uh, so but then actually if you didn't have to worry about the financial side would you make as much art as you do now yeah oh yeah? man I have to do it it's like a compulsion yeah, yeah you know if I won the lottery I'd probably just open a gallery and keep working nice I, I love that idea put a little art space in the back that'd be nice right yeah, maybe a coffee shop yeah, above it maybe yeah. maybe run an arcade I don't know I'll have to <laughs> figure that out Okay, I really hope you win the lottery. Uh, we'll I want to I see this happen. We'll, we'll see. Uh, I think the thing is, yeah, I, I would be making pictures regardless. This is a terrible career to pursue if you're just trying to make money. Yeah, but at this point, do you feel stable, though, like with freelance especially? Yeah, I think yeah. so. I think uh, it's always a little nerve-wracking when you don't have a client email in like a week because <laughs> you, you're not sure if you're freelancing or you're unemployed. <laughs> um, just always riding the fine line. It's true, and I, I think that never really goes away. I mean, I, I talk to freelancers who are in their fifties and and are quite successful, and they're just like, yeah, I don't know if I have a career anymore, you know, because I haven't heard from my publisher in a week, and wow. it's like, yeah, yeah, I guess. And so, actually, so and this is what I wanted to ask: is that would you are you trying to or would you try to build up something that would be self-driven? That you kind of um, are you trying to get to a point where you just make your own, wor own work will be a sustainable way of living like I so th and this is specifically i guess talking about the the bummer club i think that that's kind of a complicated question to answer because right now for instance i'm running uh this like weird side gig called bummer club which is selling pins and whatever weird ephemera that i'm I making love wage slave yeah thank you um <laughs> and it's just kind of a creative outlet but i think the moment you have to rely on that in order to make Oh, is it a little bit it? Yeah. Well, do you know what I mean when I say yeah, that, yeah. right? Because right now, I'm just making goofy stuff, and if nobody buys it, then I have 100 pins I just give them away to my friends. I don't care. It doesn't matter. It's money that I assume that I flushed down the toilet, and if someone buys <laughs> it, that's great. I'm, like, very proud of that, yeah. you know, if someone enjoys it. But I think that the moment you rely on that to keep a roof above your head, it changes the dynamic a little bit. Mm -hmm. So what do you think, then, of an idea of a... Um or well you do a lot of gallery shows then would you want to be a, just a gallery artist i think that would be pretty fun but i think that's not realistic right now um the gallery shows are really wonderful but like i'm not getting paid very much for those those are <laughs> like you know i make a print maybe someone buys it you make like a couple hundred bucks or yeah. whatever but i like i want still all a labor of love basically yeah and yeah. I have no problem with that. I, yeah. I feel that, that balance for me is, is perfectly acceptable. I, I'm very happy and I'm like proud to be part of those shows. I'm I'm still kind of well. Uh, I think the the whole idea of trying to figure out what a perfect lifestyle is, you know, probably going to be uh, trying to balance it out for the rest of my life. But these kind of questions to me are always very interesting. And that clear. I mean, that's why I'm asking. But I'm very very cu curious about people, about how they want to structure their life and how they want to create art. And I, uh, I do relate to your idea, or your thoughts on you just want to make something you love and, you know, whether it ends up making you money or not. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter, luckily, because you have a job and uh, supports yeah, you. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel fortunate in that I have a career where I can use the skill set uh, that I have to make a living. Whereas I think quite a few people that I do know who are, you know, who are phenomenal artists in their own right, they have to utilize something else. They have to you know, work a job that maybe they don't like or is... Uh, uh, is is utilizing their skills in a way that isn't ideal. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Um, whereas I feel super lucky that, you know, I can use uh, the same part of my brain making goofy stuff or, you know, Bummer Club or whatever 
to work on a, a corporate project that's paying my bills and keeping a roof above my head. 100%. I think, uh, yeah, if your skills are still getting better during the day while you're working on this other stuff that, you know, may not be the same vein, but mm -hmm. you're still practicing the same tools or similar tools. Yeah, I, I feel like it's, uh, it's like a, a benefit and a burden in that the benefit's obviously that you get to hone your edge and sharpen your skills and so on. But I think the burden is that it becomes fuzzy sometimes and you begin to conflate. You're not sure what you're doing anymore. <laughs> like, are you, are you exhausted from working on this one kind of thing for your clients so you can't do it for yourself? Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah, There's yeah. no clear separation of powers in that way. And how often do, does that happen? Uh, sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that depends on the situation. Yeah. You'd have to ask. I give you a different answer every day, probably. Okay, I'll ask you a couple of times. <laughs> uh, right now, who... Um, can you name an artist who you think is doing it right? Is doing it right. Um, as far as lifestyle, work, balance kind of goes? They would have to be people that I don't know very well, probably. Okay. So there's by, nobody By know. definition. Okay, okay, sure. But, uh, but, I, but I think that, uh, again, it's like this weird mystical thing. Like, for instance, there, one of the big reasons I went to art school, again, uh, you know, I was looking at Designers Republic, and there's was, there was an artist um, who's still active now. He's, he's, he's quite good. His name is Joshua Davis, and he's... Mm -hmm. Uh, a generative artist from New York. So he's writing scripts and making all sorts of crazy stuff. He's working mm -hmm. in act action uh, script before, and now he works in processing mostly. So it, it's a really interesting generative art that's like reactive to uh, visual and auditory input, mm -hmm. which is very difficult to describe on a So he has podcast. to make installations basically, right? Is yeah, it, it's installations. He works with uh, a lot of different musicians around the world. That's what it sounds like. It's probably perfect for shows. Yeah, specifically, it's so, right? man, that dude is really good. And I okay. met him. I was very lucky uh, that he came to Calgary for uh, CAP, which is a design conference that happens okay. every year. And I got to meet him. He's just like a regular dude. He's from Brooklyn. He just like got a ponytail. He's an old dude. <laughs> and... Uh, I feel like he's kind of figured it out, you know, because yeah. it seems at least his, his work-life balance is that he just makes something crazy and he puts it out there and someone bites and gives him a big, you know, truckload of money. There's already going to be someone who bites it. And then because if, I guess if his target audience is like big concerts, mm -hmm. there's money there too. Uh, yeah. And again, work. like this is all, I'm sure he can like draw back the curtain and we'll see lots of problems. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know him, but it's something I definitely admire, you mm -hmm. know, like, you you just like sit there and you pursue something you think is interesting and then someone is like hey i could use that yeah can i, can I use that that sounds really cool yeah but uh, i guess like you said nothing is ideal and he's probably looking at your work and be like man uh, this, well, this combo guy i wonder he's got it figured out i mean well i think for me one of the things i really enjoy uh, doing is uh is, is having art shows of my own mm -hmm. you know i i've curated shows in the past i ran a show in calgary called bun and games at a hot dog restaurant it was video game themed <laughs> which is really fun you so know i love it yeah it's a um, great concept i'm uh i'm doing uh, a show in vancouver june 15th at the uh, james black gallery oh yeah that's right yeah that's what you're saying yeah yeah Tell um me more. yeah so the show is called bastard tongue and it's just like i'm taking all these old master paintings from like the western art canon and yes. just like ruining them basically no well, I mean, Just it's a matter of... Doing a new take. Doing, doing, doing some uh, kind of take, yeah. Out. But, uh, you know, beyond, like, raw promotion for that thing, I, th I think the thing that interests me is just having a space, making a bunch of work, and just seeing how people react to I it. I love it. You know? But, uh, okay, before we go into the theme and the whole idea, why art shows or why gallery shows specifically? I think... Because I asked that myself, but... Right. I, I think the reason why is because it uh, it's a unique 
contextualization of the work mm-hmm. for instance you know if, if you see a piece of work um in a public sphere you know just like pasted up on the side of a building versus in a gallery which is meant to be a contemplative space mm-hmm. versus an advertising thing which you're trying to ignore because your ad blocker doesn't work <laughs> or whatever it happens to be yeah like these are all uh the context of the space changes the way you interact with the work right mm-hmm. if it's like in the public maybe it just becomes background eventually if it's an ad it becomes obnoxious if it's just like a thing your friend made and gave you it has a sentimental value to it mm-hmm. right but a gallery space uh in i think it tries to be like this neutral contemplative area but also a place to actually look at art right it's yeah. a place you go to to look at art it's not something that's incidental to the, the space it's like the necessary component to it maybe that's an ego thing i don't know no that's a very good answer but also well as an artist i'm sure there's a, a tiny bit of ego in everyone but it doesn't have to be for bad reasons like what we talked about before is that like you often make work for people to uh, see maybe ask questions and to enjoy mm-hmm. like the, you need to have the the end result is someone witnessing the work that's been done right yeah. S- sometimes the work you make is just for you right I mean, we've all we've all made things that are just like I really like this, but no one else is gonna like this, so no one else can see it. Yeah, or yeah, no, there, there's definitely that. There's sketchbooks full of, and that's <laughs> oh, ev- everybody has that. Yeah. You know, that's perfectly normal. You know, I don't you don't need to show everybody everything you made, but at the same time, like, you know, we're we're trying to, to put something out there in the world, right? Yeah. To get a reaction, to communicate with people, to share an idea. Maybe it's an idea that maybe, for instance, it's like a philosophical or political mm-hmm. or religious idea whatever it happens to be you have something to say to the world and you want people to listen to you so what's your idea for this bastard tongue i love the name by the way it's oh, like a good you. band name. <laughs> yeah bastard it's a tongue. it's a great metal name yeah um the idea is that i'm taking all this work uh so for instance there's uh reproductions of uh, you know, a Da Vinci or like a Monet or a Goya. Goya is the best one so far I've seen. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> you know, there's like a Caravaggio. You know, it's yeah. like the big names in in like Western art, which is a very uh, narrow spectrum of obviously like the, oh, the full yeah, history of, of art. Yeah. Um, but it's like the things are sort of taught about in art history, and they they permeate pop and culture. Things and most people have seen. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. I think that's very important. Um, you know, for instance, I did a. For, for Goya, I did uh, Saturn Devouring His Child, which mm-hmm. is a very, it's like a painting I think a lot of people have seen. It's so striking. It's, it's, yeah. a, very, it's yeah. a very striking, super crazy painting. Yeah. Um, but the idea is that I'm stripping away all the emotional content of each image and mm-hmm. bleeding, bleeding them dry, essentially. Mm-hmm. Um, which I understand sounds super arrogant, but <laughs> that's cool. They're dead already. They're not going to see me. <laughs> that's right. But... Uh, how, how come so why did it start with these paintings specifically it, it is because of their context that they have that you can play with yeah i yeah. think i think because they're recognizable mm-hmm. we can do things to them and people will not say you know that's a paint that's like a picture of a woman they'll be like oh that's a monet painting mm-hmm. that has a particular kind of idea and charm to it all those paintings right mm-hmm. when you go to uh the met and you go sit around and look at water lilies right all you can think of is the person the mystique around them, this image, it conjures up a particular time and place and era, mm-hmm. you know, a certain notion, a certain idea. You look at a Goya painting and you can't help but think about the Spanish Civil War, for instance, and how it affected him, you know, if you're interested in that kind of history. Mm-hmm. Um, but what happens if you sort of strip it all away until there's nothing left but just like the raw image, like the plan mm-hmm. for the image yeah, yeah, in, yeah. In, in a way? Um, so I did that to a whole bunch of them and I'm putting them all together in a, in a gallery space. And I think the thing is, 
the reason it's called bastard tongue is mm -hmm. because uh, a, a bastard tongue is like a sloppy language, right? I'm trying to get all these pieces uh, from, to talk okay. to each other using the same visual language, mm -hmm. even though they come from different eras and, and they come from different people and all the emotional content, again, has sort of been like, like drained out of them. Really cool. Well, it's also a really good way to learn art, art history while <laughs> making work. <laughs> I mean, it's also very navigated. It's like something I'm very interested in. Mm -hmm. It's like a, a style of image making that I really enjoy. It's, uh, it's like visual problem solving, you know? Yeah. Love it. And I guess the, in this case, it's like you trying to make it also clear and still read like that piece, but just enough. Right. Yeah. How, how much How much can you take away before it's unrecognizable? Exactly. You know yeah. I mean? That's like a... I like that game. That's a fun one to that play. Is a, it's like, that is exactly what it is. Yeah. It's a game. And it's, uh, it's really enjoyable from, you know, the execution side of things, right? Mm -hmm. And so, but you're doing, you're creating the work for the, these are digital pieces though, right? Yeah. Yeah. And how do you plan to, uh, what size, how big are uh, you thinking? I originally wanted to do them, uh, like the proper sizes of all these pieces, but the paintings are too big. Prop wow. Uh, it's impossible. <laughs> no, I mean like the, like, It'd be really cool there's that, like a yeah. sergeant painting there that's like 25 feet tall in real uh, life. Which one or know? which one? What is the uh, Madame X. Oh, you'd, oh, there you go. Yeah. I got it. As we are speaking, I'm just browsing through his Instagram, by the way, go to, combo underscore ink so k-o-m-b-o-h underscore i-n-c on instagram go check it out while we're chatting about this stuff it's looking really cool yeah sorry you're, you're saying about this uh, one. so eventually yeah. i mean oh yeah yeah oh yeah there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's a wire yeah. there yeah um so eventually i just had to print them using whatever means i had available i have a, a large format like archival ink jet so i just did them 17 oh, by 22 how really yeah okay so if i need something printed i'm going to you right yeah call me <laughs> up man but uh, you're still adding a, a little bit of uh, handmade quality to those paintings, really, like the texture and the bit of like inky feeling that you got. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I'm just playing around with it, same as anybody else. I'm just kind of just see what happens. So I made about 30 and I culled it down to 23. I'm wow. eventually going to hopefully have about 50. I'm going to try to make some kind of weird art history textbook where I um, just like take the Wikipedia entry and <laughs> I just like, <laughs> yeah, and I, I just like cross out most of the words until there's nothing left. Um, I mean, for me, I think humor is a big part of the work that I make. It is, and that's what actually what I was going to say is that even like whether it's Bummer Club or this like other stuff, like there's definitely humor in there, and, and it can be dark, but it, it is very much present, and I like it. Like you're the way you're playing with these ideas, it is playful. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's uh, one thing that I I hope comes across is not cynicism. Mm -hmm. um, it's a I, a sense of sincerity and, and respect for the things I'm making. But yeah, I mean, we dr get to draw cartoons for a living, like. How can you not make that playful or try to make that fun, you know? Sounds like good times. Yeah, yeah I'm happy to be doing it. Okay, sorry. I'm just I'm actually a little distracted just looking at all the pieces. I very very much looking forward to that show and I it will be interesting to see this in size cuz the way you know looking on and on screen is one thing, but then being able to witness these uh, like right. printed uh, out large is going to be really cool. And again, that's contextual, right? Yeah. Like you can you can look at a painting I mean, you, you can go look at that sergeant painting on, on your computer screen, but then you, like, walk into the gallery and see it towering above you, and it becomes a very different kind oh, of yeah. thing, right? Yeah, and this is, yeah, and I don't know, like, the answer that I can give to myself for why I'm still trying to do gallery work, but I, to me it also, I, I like being able to, or I like the idea of being able to put, you know, a year of work or half a year of work or whatever it is, into this one little thing mm -hmm. uh, and, it, and it does feel little when you look at the amount of work that it took you know to get to that place and it's gone so quick and yeah. Yeah. Oh, i mean it's celebratory in a way yeah. as well yeah. and like it's an excuse to see people who uh who you know and are interested in you and just meet other people and like 
there's a lot of human friction in galleries, right? You get to meet people you would otherwise meet who are mm-hmm. interested in things you're interested in, and that's a valuable thing to have in a public space. Totally. Uh, one thing you mentioned when we kind of chatting on Instagram, one thing you brought up as a topic was that speaking of kind of voice versus style mm-hmm. and what that means. Uh, do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so in January, I was in uh, New York because I was considering taking uh, a master's at SVA. Oh, really? Which I certainly cannot <laughs> afford at all. Um, it's New York. It's pricey. Oh, it's a lot of money. Yeah. Um, but I was very fortunate in that they gave me uh, the time of day and I got to meet Marshall Arisman and we sort of walked around sort of talked about it. And one of the things he was really uh, harping on me for was that most people who come to a four-year program, they often have a style but not a voice. Mm-hmm. And I think what he means by that is that they have a particular look that they're, they're striving for because they think it's interesting or they think it's cool or, mm-hmm. uh, you know, any number of other reasons why you might enjoy painting like this one person. Yeah. You know, they, they see these people are successful, you know, Sachin Tang or James Jean or whoever, whatever, mm-hmm. uh, whatever contemporary artist is, is really hot. And uh, they emulate it without really understanding it. And I think the point of the master's program, at least what he was trying to communicate to me, is that they're trying to solve a bigger problem, which is what do you have to say and then what is the best way to say it, mm-hmm. right? Which is a very different kind of issue. That's a very, very big one to tackle as well. Right. Yeah. It's, it's like a thing you spend the rest of your life working exactly. on. That, yeah. That's not, that's not a th- something a master's program is going to teach you in two years. Like you have to begin it early and mm-hmm. just like work at it your whole life. Um, and I think that it's a problem that is always going to be interesting as well, right? Like I think that all my work looks kind of different. I mean, obviously there are similarities because I have only one, you know, one pair of hands and yeah, one, yeah, one yeah, skill set yeah. to work within. But I, I like to think that it has a particular voice to it, regardless of the medium that I'm working in. Totally, it does. <laughs> I think it's, I think that's yeah. important. I think it's also inescapable, right? Like, mm-hmm. you can't get away from that, but it's important to think about it consciously and be mindful of it. But what when you wrote that question, what made me think about voice specifically, and it's if that's what you want to do, I think. Um, I feel like having a voice fits a lot better when into the. Into the time when you get to make your own work rather than for someone else it's very hard to have a voice when as you said before you're it's a piece that's right being made for someone else right it's um when you're working for somebody else uh you're like someone else is writing the lyrics and you're singing for them exactly you know yeah. what i mean yeah, yeah, yeah. and like you're invaluable you need to be there they can't do without you but it's not your song uh whereas if you're trying to make work for yourself you're like left in a room you know with a blank sheet of paper mm-hmm. and you have to decide what matters to you and it doesn't have to be serious it doesn't have to be world changing exactly you know yeah. like it can be just like a funny a thing you find funny or a joke or you know this like you really care about this one person so you just draw them a goofy thing to make them feel better <laughs> it doesn't matter like yeah. there's no separation between that and like a big important painting i don't think really mm-hmm. right have you found your voice i don't know you tell me oh i would wouldn't you know oh i don't know about <laughs> that uh i like to think that i have a pretty clear idea of the things that interest me and, and what I'm trying to say to the world. At this point, so at this point, you do know what you want to make and where to go? I think generally speaking, yeah. I, I'm excited because there's so many things that I don't know about yet. Mm. You know, like there's all sorts of ways of making pictures or ways of expressing myself or uh, ideas in my head that I haven't had the time or, or the patience or the resolve to sort of pursue. 
but I think I have a pretty clear idea of, of who I am and, and what I'm aiming for, you know? You seem very, or like striking me as super hardworking. And uh, I think your portfolio shows as well. And even these 30 now t toned down to 23 paintings, I think it's a pretty big statement to that, like the art show that you're making. Yeah, I mean, I try to be diligent. I mean, I can always work harder. I always feel a sense of... <laughs> Everyone says that. I feel a deep sense of shame when I'm uh, up till 3 in the morning playing video games instead of working. What are you playing? Oh, I'm playing through Binding of Isaac again. I do not know that Oh, game. man. It's Binding of Isaac? That's real good. Uh, it was made by Ed McMillan, uh, who also made Meat Boy. Oh, uh, okay, okay. It's great. It's yeah. great. Um, I used to play uh, uh, our mutual friend, Douglas Nung. Mm -hmm. I used to play Street Fighter with him competitively for many years. You know, we like traveled uh, around the world to playing with people. Yeah, competitions. We wasted our. We could in the time <laughs> we spent playing that game, we could have learned like three languages. You know, we, we could have like started a business That's and become you famous. And, like millions of kids. Uh, no, it's funny that CBC. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I just a deep sense of shame has overcome me. Uh, CBC recently did a like a series or it was an interview with professional video game players because that's the thing now, and they interviewed some people from. I think like from Ontario or something like that who yeah, as kids they just take a bus down to somewhere to the United States to play at those big uh yeah, competitions. It's big business. It's a big now. it's a big thing. Well now it is, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah more so <laughs> back then. Yeah, it's uh it, it's it's a weird thing that I'm I'm like kinda happy is, is taking off because I mean you can imagine if you were eight years old right now and someone told you like, Yeah, you can make a living doing this, you can make a living clicking that mouse, I'd be like, Yeah, I'm gonna do that. You you better you better love it. Yeah, you better. You're love gonna it. turn that into a job. It's just like you're saying about painting. Mm -hmm. When you make your personal artwork uh, a job, it may not be so fun anymore. Right. I mean, even for some of those people, because I do know some people that, that do that uh, professionally. Like, once you have to win instead of just trying to win, yeah. just to make a living and keep your sponsors happy, it's like not the same thing anymore. <laughs> All right. Good to know. In case any of you are considering <laughs> getting into <laughs> a professional gaming or getting some good adv <laughs> good advice here. Uh, actually, one thing I saw you've done is uh, you've been to a number of art conventions, right, or mm -hmm. uh, festivals. How is, how is that scene? I think Co it's pretty fun. Like, I, I was very fortunate in that I got a very last-minute table at VanCaf okay. uh, in the last couple of weeks. Um, they told me only two or three days in advance because it was a waitlist table, mm -hmm. uh, and I had a bunch of stuff prepared, so it was not a big deal. That's but nice. It, it was wonderful. I think it's something that I would encourage basically anybody to get involved with at least a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. try it out, see, see if it's for you. It's How not. Come? I think because, uh, again, that sense of human friction. Like you run to so many people that you would not meet otherwise, and you get to expose your work to them, and it's always very positive. Like no one has ever said anything negative. Good. I, I don't Good think it. Well, I don't think it has anything to do with the quality of the work either. I think it's just that people uh, are supportive of it. You know, you, you come across like a local artist or whatever, and you're like, wow, that's. I can't believe people actually do this. You know. It feels like uh, joining like a family or something. Like when you're surrounded by people there, you feel like you understand everyone. Because everyone's kind of doing this, like everyone's trying to be like make their cool art, art cool and yeah. I mean, to be successful everyone's just trying their best and yeah. make something they care about and see, put it out there in the world. And you know, maybe maybe you walk through and most of it is not for you. I have no idea, but like you'll, you'll probably run to something that you mm -hmm. think is interesting at the very least, and people are very receptive to having conversations about it. Is it? But you know, there's people who do these kind of events. Uh, you could say it like as a full-time job because they're you know they turned their creations uh you know into something that makes their living how many of those like conventions have you done uh, the reason i ask is like uh, do you think you'll be able to do them you know like 20, 20 a year oh man <laughs> i don't know i i've like done flying and traveling i've and done a fair number in my time i think the issue for me is that 
the moment you rely on that again to make I know, your I keep living, going back to that. I'm just, yeah. But it's it's very important to be be careful about because you need to have that separation in your head, right? There is uh, a sense of joviality when, when I'm there because it's just very easy for me. You know, mm-hmm. if I make, you know, I always make a, a reasonable living there. You know, mm-hmm. I, I'm fortunate in that the, the work that I do has attracted some kind of audience and it's a very, like, consumable style. And that's great. Mm-hmm. But... Also, if I relied on that, if I was like, if I don't make this much money to, you know, afford my rent or like buy me food, yeah. uh, I'd be freaking out all the time. It'd be very different, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, it just makes me think about how it can become. I don't know why I keep going back to that. I think to me, the curious thing is how people manage to, you know, make art, art while still survive. And maybe that's why I keep going back to this mm-hmm. whole like, you know, it's like art and then like balance it out with some sort of money coming in so you can you know live mm-hmm. somehow and continue to be able to do that and this is why i guess i ask about um yeah just this different approaches to what art is uh, and of course like every everything can burn you out at a certain point and you just got to be careful with it but it, it's just interesting to me to see how other people have i guess in some way figured it out mm-hmm. or whatever it is works mean, for them. I, w- I would never presume to say that the setup i have now is like perfectly ideal either for myself or for other people but I'm pretty happy with it for the most part. And I yeah. think I think that it's something that is like roughly banged into shape, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I hope as uh, my career advances and I get older and I learn a little from my mistakes that the rough edges sort of get, um, you know, taken off. But generally speaking, I think this is a setup that I'm, I'm largely happy with, you know. Like I, I have a, a job, which is a job. You know, I'm, you know, I have clients that come in and they want certain kinds of work that is not the same kind of work that I'd be doing for myself that I'm happy to do. Um, and then it allows me the freedom to sort of just like make whatever and just see like if someone buys it, that's cool. That's <laughs> great. Whatever, yeah. you know, and not, not sweat so much and just not have that pressure for it to have to succeed for it to mm-hmm. be successful, if that makes sense. Yeah. So you're not moving to Hawaii anytime soon. Oh man, I really like Hawaii though. <laughs> Maui's pretty nice this time of year. Six months there, six months here. I think that uh, something that I kind of would like to do um, is be able to spend time a little bit more on the road and mm-hmm. work. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of years ago, I was in Singapore for like a month and in Japan for a while, and I was like kind of working during that time. And it was really great, you know. My clients didn't care. Most of them didn't even. They know. didn't know exactly. Yeah, yeah, it didn't. It didn't really matter, you know. Like, uh, if you're working freelance anyway, you can just stay up whatever hours you need. It's not mm-hmm. a big deal. Yeah. You just have to be kind of awake during, you know, office hours in North mm-hmm. America. Um, and it's something that is very unique to being a freelancer, right? You can't. You often can't do that in in other corporate jobs or jobs that require you to have like punch in a nine to five mm-hmm. or whatever it is. And uh, I don't know if I asked that yet but uh, uh, I'll, I'll ask it but uh, out of a week I, I know because as you're saying before there's not always a routine because of the amount of work that you get but generally would you say like during a week do you know how much uh, like the balance of like professional work versus personal work that you manage to do because uh, it does change quite a bit week to week just because I work uh, not on retainer for the most part but largely for projects projects yeah, yeah so for instance you know if some if three clients come in and I need to get something done that week and I have three deadlines in a row then I'm obviously not going to be working on my own stuff yeah. because it's not fair to prioritize that if you agree to do something um, but I think generally speaking the split is like maybe 50-50 for the most part oh, that's awesome which is, which is that's a really good split it's a lot of personal work yeah um, 
Yeah, I don't know how common that is. You know, most people I know aren't aren't freelancers. They're they're working yeah. regular studio gigs. So, but no, that's fifty fifty. That's a that's nice. Yeah, it's all and right. And are you are you okay those weeks when you don't get to do personal work? Yeah, I yeah. mean, it's not like I can't do it later. You know, it, it's very rarely a, a time crunch for that kind of thing. I I usually stress myself out for no reason when I, <laughs> when I don't get to do personal work. There's an itch gotta make something yeah i mean i feel that itch as well but i think that itch can be scratched without having to make like a big finished thing Mm -hmm. yeah no it's true you just go you go to a cafe or i I feel lucky enough to live near the seawall so i just like hang out there with a sketchbook and just draw goofy dumb stuff sneak something in Mm -hmm. (laughs) sounds great um what's your what's your happiest place or a happy place oh man oh that's so complicated i didn't expect this question at all is it (laughs) uh i think that my happiest is when I'm when I it's that it's that phase you know when you have an idea that's been in the back of your head for a long time and all of a sudden you can finally make it because you met for instance you met someone who has the right equipment for you to make this thing Mm. you know you meet someone who can uh, help you out with this kind of idea and there's that like electricity in the air it's like very exciting because you haven't made any mistakes yet (laughs) yet it's going so well it's going so well you haven't screwed anything up yet and you're like, I can, I can like picture where this is going, and I think it's a really cool yeah, idea. Yeah, yeah. You know, I think that's it, and it's not that can happen anywhere. You know, it's definitely a good feeling when you see, yeah, when you see it about to happen. Right, it's that sense yeah. of promise until you uh, disappoint yourself later. Until you fail a couple of times. Right, yeah. yeah. But I think uh, there's there is that that feeling that never really goes away. I think as I've gotten older or or more experienced, like you always feel like excitement. It's just like, oh, I can make yeah. this. This is real. Yeah. And I feel like in those cases, usually I have to, like, yeah, you have to, yeah, it's a weird feeling because you're about to see it happen and mm-hmm. you like, can't think of anything else, but you really got to make sure, like, once it starts going into production, whatever that is, it feels like, okay, Don't maybe it'll up. work. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Don't screw it up. Yeah, I mean, but yeah. I think, you know, that that's like, you feel that way and then all of a sudden it's six in the morning and you're still hunched over your Cintiq or whatever with back problems, but like, you just want to see what yeah. happens. It's like that's really, true. really, really exciting. Um... Out of uh, all your clients, which is a giant list, if you want to see, what's your website again? Uh, combo.com. All right, there you go. Uh, out of, what, what were the most favorite, least favorite? Oh, wow. It's uh, that question. <laughs> uh, okay. I think my favorite client right now, uh, well, you know, I, I worked with a company uh, called Beakerhead in Calgary, mm-hmm. and uh, they're a non-charitable organization that puts on, like, I guess you'd call like a science and art festival every year. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hard to describe, um, but they were really good to me in that they were uh, really happy to be working with local creatives. And again, mm-hmm. like there's a lot of talents in Calgary, a lot of very, very good people, but the well is not particularly deep just because of numbers. Mm-hmm. It's just like, yep. there's not enough of an industry to support it. Um, they let me kind of just do you know whatever like wow. they, they let me have uh, the whole side of a building one year where they invested a whole bunch of money in this like art project I got to make uh, I got to do the first legal graffiti in the city and I got to meet the mayor and it was all Damn. weird and I was like <laughs> why is this happening legal what? graffiti that's such a weird that's, naming too I know it's it's kind of a, an oxymoron yeah, but yeah. they let me do it you know just like draw some goofy characters walking down the street whatever you want how big was the wall uh, it was pretty big it was, it was the side of two underpasses okay wow. uh, and they like installed it and they just all put push for it and everything and it was like i mean the work itself isn't uh the thing about it that makes me smile it's just like the supportive environment mm-hmm. and people like really pushing hard for it nice. you know 
it's a good feeling when people actually support art. The worst client I had. Oh is, yeah. Let's go. Oh man, <laughs> I uh, I won't uh, I won't name and shame them, but they are a fast food giant that you've eaten at, that everyone's <laughs> eaten at. Uh, I did. Uh, <laughs> they had. A campaign they asked me to help out with. This is done through through an agency and not with them directly. Mm-hmm. Uh, where they were bringing a sandwich back, a, like a famous uh, fast food pork sandwich. <laughs> I know this sounds really dumb already. No, no, keep but going. But they're like, you know what? We want to have like a <laughs> comeback tour for this thing. We're like, okay, okay, okay. What do you What do you mean? Like, what if you did, like, a big gig poster for the sandwich? And I was like, okay, that sounds cool. And they are like, what if it was really metal? And I was like, yeah, all right. <laughs> so I drew what, like, else, what else do you want? Yeah. So I drew this big metal poster involving a big pork sandwich. And they were like, this is too metal. We can't do it. We can't, it's too metal. Too, uh, too, too satanic. And I, we'll, we'll fix it. So they went in. And they, like, gave me, like, uh, they revised the yeah. sketch or whatever. And I was like, and they were like, oh, we're really sorry. But, like, the deadline is, like, tomorrow. Can you help us? And I was like, okay, you know, I, I'm working for you you're paying the bills i get it i can do this so i refine it and i send it over and they're like nah we got we're, we like reworked it again can we do this and that oh, so no. eventually what happened is we went to this bizarre process where i actually didn't do anything they eventually made everything so i don't <laughs> i didn't need to be part of it at all they just wanted to see where they didn't want to go through you basically it was very strange and it, uh. it, it was like you know they were in uh, a different time zone, so I was working all night. And as soon as uh, I fell asleep, they were looking at it throughout the day, and they sent me feedback. So when I woke up, I could do it again. And it was like, man, that nightmare never ended. Uh, also, the, <laughs> my contact there quit her job without telling me, so I didn't get paid for like six months. Wow. I know it was very messy. That sounds pretty bad. And that's a big company too. You're saying? Oh yeah, they're that's, a very large company. That's insane. That's really the mind blowing part of it is that you think that kind of. Um, lack of professionalism whatever you want to call it like would be gone at that level but i mean not at all. I, th- I think the thing is that everybody everybody still wants to do the best they can like mm-hmm. nobody anywhere wants to have bad work hopefully right? well i think i think it's true even even working Just some people don't know though i think right. some people don't do not have the right i don't know what it is or maybe they have a Maybe it's not even about the right eye or taste, but they have something that doesn't <laughs> just doesn't go along with well, what you I, want. In in the line of work that I'm in, you know, I can't speak for other people, but oftentimes there's a lot of uh, political pressure, oh, like so like office so. politics, yeah, yeah. in terms of like, okay, this person has to weigh in on this project to say, and we have to listen to this person. Yeah, this this person who has no training whatsoever and has no insight into this process, but like, listen, they're the boss. We have to let them say something, <laughs> and if they don't say something, then they don't even have a, what are they there for they yeah. don't even have a job right yeah <laughs> uh and i think that's something that a lot of people can relate to it's a, a shared frustration among many it's other people the I art know. world yeah but you know gotta gotta appreciate the fact that you're getting paid so yeah no i mean again <laughs> i want to see do you have that metal po- poster sorry andrew I'll, I'll show you in private sometime, i want to see please yeah in private sometime i'm not particularly <laughs> proud of it um it, it was just like a very messy process everyone is doing their best but the reality of it was that it was uh, a lot of time pressure for a huge client. They were doing their best to get it done mm. in time. I never want to work with them again. <laughs> uh, but the people, again, the people I worked with, I have nothing bad to say about them. It was just a mess. I see. I see. I really want to see that poster. <laughs> yeah, some other I time. Like <laughs> the the idea is so silly. It could be very good. Uh, let's see. Um, are there days that you don't think about art? Uh, I think sometimes. Uh, I mean sometimes you just get caught up in life i mean like 
You, you go through a breakup and you're not thinking about art. You're thinking about how to like get out of bed in the morning, right? That's true. Yeah. Um, but I think generally speaking, it's something that really permeates my life. You know, like I, I try to give credence to it every day. I'm like trying not to look too much on you know Instagram or whatever. But it's like hard <laughs> to avoid looking at other people's art because it's, it's so satisfying. Much, yeah. Oh yeah. Right. It's like I want to see what my friends are up to. I want to see what these, uh, this like one artist in some other part of the world I've never met is is up to because they seem to be doing cool stuff. Like it's just it's just there all the time. It's yeah. like it suffuses your life in a way. I haven't thought of it, but you're right. I mean, even specifically through through that medium, you just yeah, you, you see a lot of art. You can't not think about art now, I guess. Especially I as mean, an artist, yeah. That might not mean uh, that you're actively thinking about making something, but I think it's like, oh wow, this person's really good, and I'm really bad. Oh my god. <laughs> the typical, yeah. It's very. I mean, yeah. that's super normal. There's no one I know who doesn't feel that way sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. That's just artist life. Mm -hmm. Do you plan to do more murals? Uh, I would love to do some more murals. Uh, I would love to get into Vancouver Mural Fest if I could. I have no idea. Let's, May maybe. Let's sneak you in. Let's find a way. Oh, man. I would love to do a big mural. I had this idea in my head for the longest time of getting a big blank wall and just drawing, like, a huge figure in black and white with, like, his uh, his hands placed so people get a photo op there. You know what I mean? With hands placed? I'll have to draw it to you sometime. Yeah. This is not the right medium to communicate it. <sighs> but I, I think okay. the idea, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. In, in reality, like, the way people interact with those murals largely is they like get a photo of them yeah, yeah you know so i think you should just play with that idea like build something in a space where people really either want to or don't want to be part of the photo mm -hmm. and have that conversation about it yeah yeah i like that you're embracing it although i've seen some uh, executions of embracing that idea that are a little too cheesy and in nose but yeah for sure yeah. i think the, the the line you walk is is this like a stupid gimmick or is this <laughs> exactly. actually fun or if it's a stupid gimmick how far do you embrace it exactly so you have to embrace the joke of it like yeah that, so yeah I, th I think that's what makes it fun so totally. yeah i mean that, public art is something that is really interesting to me because people are forced to engage with it in mm -hmm. a way e even if it's a background thing for them like it's a part of your life exactly you, like, when it's gone you'll notice it and it's definitely uh, sometimes feels like or to me th when i've done murals it felt like a responsibility because mm -hmm. you're you know taking over people's public space mm -hmm. so i mean there, there's a bit of pressure and like are you going to ruin their day or going to make it better because you can yeah, you want it to be really good. Certainly, yeah. I mean, it's not unreasonable to say that, you know, someone's going to look at that, whatever you make. It doesn't matter what it is, if it's good or bad or anything. And they're going to have an emotional reaction to it that or they, they just don't like it. It mm -hmm. reminds them of something. reminds them of a person they don't like. Yeah. Whatever it happens to be. I mean, can you really be responsible for that? I really wonder. <laughs> if it was conscious, probably. Oh, yeah, well, <laughs> that's a different conversation. You could paint a giant middle finger in a wall. And you, then, yeah. you, you can like you can do that if you want. I mean, <laughs> and some people are going to be very happy about it too. So, like, if you want, you can paint a big mural of like really discordant colors just to make people unhappy. I guess yeah. I'm not going to do that. By the way, Vancouver, uh, like I'm not going to do that. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. He's going to make awesome art. Okay, we can we can just try to poke some people. Try to get you. Ah, that'll be really cool. I, I mean, if uh, yeah, I don't know what I was going to say, but you're just very good. So let's oh, make a mural. Thank you. <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. Last couple of questions before we have to wrap up, unfortunately. What was your, what would you say your biggest failure is, was? Oh, it was an artist. Um, I don't know. I didn't really think about that one. I think that, uh, I think generally speaking, the biggest failures are when I don't take a risk on my personal work. Mm. If, if you just retreat back to doing the same thing that you know you can do already, it becomes very mechanical. It's hard not to. It's very hard not very to because, because yeah. it becomes uh, like therapy in a sense, you know, you're, I know how to make pictures this way. I've already done it. I can just do it again. But I don't think that's going to be really satisfying, you know? What do you say to, what do you say to idea that you have to stay 
within a certain style so that people can pick up on it and be like, oh, it's this guy. Yeah, I think I think that's something that I actually struggle with a lot because it's way easier to form an identity around a particular look, right? Mm-hmm. This is like, this guy makes this kind of painting, uses these colors, exactly. he does this or that, you know, we know we're going to get if we hire him. Um, we just want you to do your thing, you know, and, and beyond that, you, you also can become like a, a master of a particular idea exactly, or style yeah. or whatever. But I also think that it's not for me. Same. I kind of, I'm, this is why I asked that because I, I'm also thinking about this a lot and it's I'm trying to find ways of force myself into something without it being forced. Okay. That was a bad use of words, but yeah, just finding ways to be consistent without it feeling like it's stagnant. Well, again, this yeah. is, this is that issue of style and voice, right? Like, yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, actually. Yeah, that's it. Like, like the voice will come through if uh, you really think hard about the things you're making, mm-hmm. right? Even even if you're not thinking that hard, sometimes it comes through unconsciously anyway. <laughs> it's because it's sometimes so accidental. It's be- awesome. be- because like whatever you make is going to, it can't exist outside of you. It's just whatever you have inside of you is going to come out in some particular way using whatever medium. Uh, you're gonna imprint an idea onto a canvas or a wall or a sculpture or a poem or a song or whatever it happens mm-hmm. to be. You know, it's it's unavoidable. Uh, I think the thing is you have to be mindful and cultivate that mm-hmm. if you want to take it someplace new very deep i guess that's very good <laughs> advice no <laughs> that was awesome uh let's see no sorry that was actually yeah I, i'll have to listen back and <laughs> check this out uh what is one thing that you tell people that they would be surprised to know about you know about me uh i guess all four of my grandparents are from different countries and i don't know how i ended up here but i really enjoy vancouver that's a that's actually a pretty that's a good story yeah what countries we got there uh my grandparents on my father's side are polish and ukrainian and they became homesteaders in uh in central alberta which is one of the (laughs) most miserable cold places you'll ever see in your life (laughs) uh my father went to singapore in the 80s during the oil crash in alberta uh, my mother's Chinese, but her father's from mainland China. Her mom is from uh, Malaysia. Uh, and they had me in Singapore, and I was living in Indonesia. And I, I, I'm like a tenth culture kid. I don't know where I belong. Or that's what I was gonna ask. Do you have a pressure of keeping keeping up with all the cultures, or you make your own now? This is the thing that I think is, uh, you know, th- this is like a sidebar for the art stuff but it's hard sometimes to know where you belong because Mm -hmm. I go to Singapore I'm just like a white guy I go to Alberta and I'm like an Asian dude (laughs) and like there's no where's home yeah there's no home so I have to Vancouver everyone yeah I have to decide for myself I mean Canada is a very multicultural society Mm -hmm. it's not like it's not like going to for instance Japan which is like a very monolithic sort of place Mm -hmm. there's like a way to be for instance Japanese we do things this way we look this way we dress this way Mm -hmm. we act this way and again, not to paint too, with too broad a, a brush, but um, I think that broadly speaking, there's some truth to that. Whereas in Canada, you know, you, you run to people from all sorts of backgrounds. You know, I don't expect most people I meet to be, you know, from Vancouver, for mm-hmm. instance, right? It's good. It's, uh, that's the beauty of it. I like it quite a lot that way. I like it too. I, yeah. think, I think it's uh, the intermingling of cultures means that you can have a very uh, a broad set of interactions with people who are from all sorts of different places and, and bring their own ideas into the mix in a way that can be really invigorating cool uh, and I got the last question for you what advice would you give your younger self before you went into post-secondary oh man before I went to post-secondary uh, I think the first one is don't become an engineer because you're not gonna be good <laughs> at it uh, but before going to art school I would say that 
you just need to keep a really open mind uh, when it comes to other people's work and mm-hmm. accept that just because something looks cool now does not mean it's like valuable or, or, or going to last in the future, right? I mean, something that I think uh, a lot of people struggle with, especially when they're young or in school, is like a groupthink mentality where like, this is what good art looks like. It looks like this one person drawing mm-hmm. this way, you know? It looks like a JC Lane Decker painting. I'm not gonna shit on that because those are amazing, yeah. but like, it doesn't have to look that way for it to be successful. Or good. Is that what you thought? I think so. Yeah, yeah. I think it's very. Um, it's hard it's, not to. It's hard not to because you know you come across this thing. You're like, this is the pinnacle of good art. <coughs> you kind of idolize, right? You know, yeah. A, a capital G good art, right? Yeah. And it's not really a helpful mindset. It's not truthful. And I spent the last ten years trying to deprogram myself. <laughs> Kyle was telling me that the, you guys were uh, was it Fuke? Is that Fuchs? Oh yeah, Bernie Fuchs. He was pushed on you guys pretty hard. Yeah, and I mean, I understand that. I, I really admire his yeah. work as well. But it's like a particular ideal that works for one person. You know, it works for him, and I have to find my own voice and what I think is working. I guess me. there's always a problem when people say there's only there's one right way to do it, and yeah. Yeah, or or even uh, like that there is uh, any kind of right way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Like I don't think that's really necessarily true. Yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Oh man, thank you so much. No, it was really amazing. I, I'm, I'm thinking. I feel like I'm quite inspired. I gotta try to figure out who I want to email to see what kind of work I can get. <laughs> just, I like that story. Just email Facebook, see what happens. Well, do I want? Yeah, let's see. Let's see. I want to. I have to figure out what kind of work I like, and then I'll, mm-hmm. I'll go from there. There's, there's a first step at the beginning that I gotta yeah, do. Yeah, I mean, I, I attended a, a, a Sagmeister talk in, in Calgary as well, and you know, his whole shtick was just why do you expect to have a job if you don't ask for it? Like, that's ridiculous. What kind of eagle do you have that (laughs) you want people to just like knock down your door to work with you? Very true. I just want to collab with something fun Mm -hmm. or we're going to go paint some walls. That's what I did this weekend. I was just sending emails to businesses trying to be like, Hey, can I paint your wall? Awesome. (laughs) Sounds like fun. Hopefully someone replies. Maybe Mm -hmm. someone's getting very kind. Mm -hmm. All right, man, that was really amazing. How can people uh, find you and maybe give out the date for the show and location and all that? Yeah, sure. Uh, the best way to get in touch with me is probably through Instagram. Um, my Instagram handle, like you mentioned earlier is a combo underscore ink. Uh, so that's K O M underscore I N C. Uh, my show Bastard Tongue is opening June fifteenth, yeah, uh, which is a Friday, I believe, at uh, the James Black Gallery, which is I think on Main and Main and Sixth somewhere okay, in there. Yeah, it's a cool looking house, right? That's, yeah, it's yeah. like a weird little laneway. It's really great. Okay. That's a fun little gallery. So I'm very excited for that one. Cool. And then what about uh, Bummer Bummer Club? Bummer Club is let's let's uh, let's spread that one around oh too. Man. It's really fun. Bummer Check Club is this bizarre thing I'm running on the side that's just like pins and patches and books and whatever weird stuff I have. Um, it's just bummerclub.com. Check it out. I have an Instagram thing for that too, which I never update. But you know, come say <laughs> it's hi. Okay. Yeah, just say hi. Well, ask them to update it. Maybe you'll. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- that's right. So we'll, we're just gonna put some pressure on you. I think. Just bother me. Show more work. Mm-hmm. You're making a lot of really cool work and. Yeah, thank you so much. Super inspiring. Uh, if you also like very good art, I recently, uh, I don't know. I don't know why I'm doing a shout out because Mr. Ares doesn't need any help, but he's an incredible artist from Spain and he's got a kickstart happening right now. He's making a book with all his street artwork. I don't know the guy, but he's just so good. So mm-hmm. if you like good art, go get that book. It's, uh, I think it's going to be a really uh, special one. Otherwise, uh, if you want to learn more about Creative Theory Podcast, um, or Facebook, Instagram, uh, if you want to say hi or if you know someone who should be on here, who should we chat to and find out all their tricks and secrets, 
let me know. Otherwise, if you're uh, craving some more art talk next week, Sunday, 2 to 4 p.m., Snackcast, go check it out. Otherwise, uh, thank you so much for listening. I appreciate you. Be back in two weeks and have a good day. Thank you. Bye-bye.